Man, first of all, man, we appreciate you coming on the show. You one of them ones for us, you know, you one of the ones that uh I looked at. I don't know about Q because he wasn't a, a guy like us, a donker like us, but but one of the ones I looked at and took a lot of stuff that I added to my game from you, but we definitely appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, we hey, appreciate it. I appreciate being here. And I tell you when I first played against you, you you didn't you didn't hold back. You went right at me. <laughs> <laughs> your idols become your rivals, man. <laughs> When you first got to the league, who was the first person to bust your ass? So look, I, I'm a fan of y'all's show. So congrats on what you guys have been doing. I think it's awesome. I know that's the question you always lead with. And I've been one of those guys that people have mentioned. <laughs> I couldn't really remember. Like, I honestly, like, like I literally, because I came in the league, and like my first, you know, I don't know, five, six, ten games, whatever, I was doing work. So oh, I had yeah, to actually go back going and through look. A tear. I had to come back, go back and look. And... You'd appreciate this. My second game, dude from Chicago, Kenny Norman. Ooh, the snake. And now I had like 24 against him, and I think we won the game, but he had 30 on me. Mm. And uh, and he didn't, like, I don't think I respected his shooting. Mm -hmm. He might have hit a gang of threes on me, but that was when I think I realized, because Kenny Norman wasn't like a star in the, the league. The biggest name, yeah. But like it just showed you that anybody on any given night was capable of giving it to you. So I, I got to give a shout out to Snake, Kenny Norman. Yo, 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 we live on location, live from Orlando, Florida. Me and the blackest one, man, we got a neighbor. He lives here right locally <laughs> yeah. with us. So we ain't had to do much to make this happen. We got the Duke legend, the Hall of Fame with the NBA franchise Top 75. Owner. Oh, and he a former player who owning a franchise. That's hey, 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 hey. We ain't had one of them up in here yet. So, you know, <laughs> give it up for the big time Grant Hill, G Hill, man. We appreciate you man, putting up yes, on us. Yes, so, yes. Ask you, uh, have you ever heard of the Grant Hill drill? Yes, okay. I heard. I heard it, but I, I was playing. Okay, and so I, I'm in Phoenix at the end of my career, and um, Igor. Um, yeah, Koskov. Yeah, Igor. Igor. Yeah. So he's our assistant when he, we was in LA first. With, uh, with the, the, with the yeah. Yes. yeah, so he's with us. He's an assistant there with Alvin in Phoenix. And Goran Dragic, he's mm -hmm. putting him through drills, mm -hmm. and he says, "Okay, now do the Grant Hill move." And I'm like, the Grand Hill move. And so it was like, I guess it was like a through the legs and then kind of like you either cross over or go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, I, I, that's the version I know. Uh, but I don't know if that's what you I have. Like when I was in high school, uh, my sophomore year, I went to NBA camp. And uh, one of the coaches was demonstrating and he was telling us like, this is the Grand Hill drill. And the Grand Hill drill was you got to take one or two dribbles from half court and dunk the ball. So a lot of kids up there couldn't dunk the ball in one or two dribbles, but he used me as an example, and I can do it. So I added it to my, like, regiment of when I fast break and all that, I always count my dribbles and not take unnecessary dribbles because the reason of the drill was not to take unnecessary dribbles. Then I used to watch you. Like, when you used to play in transition, you never took unnecessary dribbles when you was going. It never was a dribble two more times to get there. It was always a three dribbles, two dribbles, and he was at the rim dunking. So I always use that. And I wonder, did you ever hear that drill? 
coaches now say that's the Grand Hill drill. No, I see. I, I had. Have you heard. ever noticed you did that? No, no, I know I did. I mean, I, I think so. Look, when I came in the league and early on, you know, go, going against Snake, going against you know Cedric Sabalos, my first guys at my position, you didn't have a lot of guys that were accustomed to guarding somebody at the three who could handle the ball. And certainly now you look around, everybody, you know, stuff I've done, stuff you've done, all players who've come who've tall, versatile, can do a number of things. So that kind of like, I think the fact that I could handle the basketball and I was athletic and, you know, all the other things. So for me, getting a defensive rebound and bringing it up and pushing, and pushing it. And I always felt like if I bust out and I beat the fours and the fives, now I'm playing three on three. And now I got space. I go back to when I was like eight, nine years old. And, you know, back then you're big and they put you inside and nobody gets <laughs> right. you the ball. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so I remember one time my dad was like, man, get the rebound, bring it up. Yeah. And I was like, I can't do that. I'm a center. <laughs> and he's like, no, nah, you can do it. And so, I, you know, I joked that I did it all the way to the Hall of Fame. But to me, that was a way. If I get a defensive rebound, it's a scoring opportunity. Yeah. And that was in pickup ball. That was at the gym. That was in college. And that carried on into the NBA. And so efficient with the dribble. You know, I, I had a crossover. You know, growing up in D.C., everybody tried to cross over back then. But in transition, tall, don't look at 230. I'm coming downhill at you. That was my game. And I don't think a lot of people really fully understood. And people see at the end where it was a different role. But early on, that's, that's what I did well was handle the basketball and get to spots on the floor I wanted to get to. Yeah, that's what I got. From you after that, I went to that camp of me just really watching your dribble off a of defensive rebound. I can scan the floor instantly, but I never after I got to half court, I never wasted another dribble. It right. was either two, three dribbles. I never tried to go more than two, three dribbles because I tried to get there because it made me get there quicker. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh no, quite. No, look, man. <laughs> if you're coming downhill and you can take two dribbles, you should. And you're our size. So from half court. Yeah. If you can get to the rim, kaboom then you should get to the rim until the defense collapses, collapses. and you can make a play. And yeah. that, that was that was what I did. I mean, you know, we weren't a running team, but when the opportunity presented itself in those Detroit years, that's yeah. what I tried to do. Your father was a, a former NFL player. How did basketball come into play when starting off the history is, is football? Good question. So, you know, for me, I grew up, it was all football. Um, you know, I was told that that was one of the first words that I ever said, which is <laughs> kind of a difficult word for a baby. But, um, you know, as a kid, pictures at the house, everything, you know, helmet, shoulder pads. I remember going to Redskin Park, going to, you know, Cleveland where he played at the end of his career. And for my dad, you know, he didn't play football until he was in high school. Mm. So his first love was baseball. So he always felt like you had to be older, a little bit more physically mature yeah. to play. And he didn't want some little league coach, you know, thinking they were, yeah. you know, Vince Lombardi. Oh, or, he, he played or, in the yeah. era where it was, it was going down. Oh, yeah, no, it was definitely. <laughs> so because, of that, because of that, he didn't want, you know, he wanted me to be a little bit more developed. And so yeah. by the time I got to high school, you know, I, I was in love with basketball. I mean, that was my sport. That was... I couldn't get enough of it. And it kind of like, maybe like nine, 10 years old, that's when it started to flip for me. Yeah. Who you did know, you see? You know. Was it somebody local or you seen somebody on TV? That's a good question. Good question. So, first of all, as you guys know, it wasn't like it is now 
where you just get everything you want. You know, every college game, every right. NBA on game. Your phone. <laughs> it's on your phone, on your on your mobile device, smart TV, whatever. Like back then, there was like one game that came on on the weekend. And then, you know, I was in D.C., so the Bullets. But they weren't really great in the 80s. But for me, it was, it was a couple of things. It was Georgetown, you know, watching Georgetown, Pat Ewing, you know, that team. And then one of the guys that played at Georgetown went to my high school, Michael mm. Jackson. Michael was the point guard on that team. So I remember watching Michael in high school. And I'm a, you know, I'm a little kid. I'm, you know, 9, 10 years old. And it was around that time where watching him, watching those high school teams, uh, and then Georgetown called out. We bought a Betamax in 1982, and the first thing we recorded was the Final Four, North Carolina, Georgetown, yeah. when Carolina and jo uh, Georgia hit that game uh -huh. with a shot. And it was like almost like that moment. It was like, man, that's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then my parents got season tickets for Georgetown games, and so we became big Georgetown fans. Time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. How the hell did you go to Duke? And I'm hearing all this G-Town love. They got Big John. How did you go to Duke? What in the world? Like, what? I know every Georgetown yeah. fan sitting there listening like, where did we go wrong? You know, you know what's funny is that even my senior year, beginning of my senior year, the whole senior I committed to Duke early, senior year high school, we still went to Georgetown games. And so I think... I think a couple of things. One, and my mom just passed, and so God bless, you know, her and R.I.P. and all that, but I needed some distance. Like, I, you know, I'm an Get only child. Get away from home, yeah. Yeah, I'm an only child of two only children. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, man, my mom and my dad would be, you know, in my dorm every day. Mm -hmm. And so I needed, you know, distance. And so obviously Duke, Coach K was a Chicago guy. He was um, up and coming, and, you know, I was a, because I watched that first game of Georgetown, Carolina, I became a Carolina-Georgetown fan. So those were the two teams I followed. But Coach K kind of came in there and, you know, and just I believed him. Like one of the things that makes him great, and we can get into it later, but his ability to connect with people and his ability to get you to buy in. And uh, so much of coaching is buying in. Mm -hmm. And so... But I, I couldn't, you know, I felt like, man, my parents, my boy, everybody would just, you know, it would be, <laughs> I needed some space. Yeah. And uh, I needed a chance to grow up a little bit too. Yeah. When was the year that you, uh, when you were in high school, when was the year that you felt that you was turning the corner of, no, I'm not just the best player at my school. I'm one of the best players in the state and I'm one of the best players in the country. So it, it kind of happened before high school. Okay. So I, I'm young for my grade. So I graduated high school in 90, but I could have been 91. Mm -hmm. And so 13 and under, AAU championship, we were in St. Louis. And, uh, Lou. That's right. We were saying, yeah, we were at uh, Washington University. Wash you. Yeah, Wash you. <laughs> we were there. And um, Chris Weber. Jalen Rose, they were there with, um, what are they called, the Super Friends. Detroit Super, Super Friends. Friends. Alan Henderson with yeah. Municipal Gardens. Like, they had a lot of, so they all were rising eighth graders. I was a rising ninth grader. So we ended up winning the whole thing. And I remember afterwards, the guy on my team, Jamie Warren, got the MVP. And uh, his dad was the coach. And he hit the game-winning layup. Mm -hmm. So he, you know. But I was I was kind of like hurt. Like I was like I should have been the MVP. You know? like, <laughs> yeah. So that was I remember my dad was trying to like you know you know just you know like we won, but he also sees yeah. that I'm a little you know feeling yeah. a certain way, and and so I said I'm gonna come back next year. I'm gonna be the MVP, and uh, and so I think having that confidence going against the best in my age, and now I went to high school, 
playing varsity. Now, the difference was all those guys were playing eighth grade ball, you know, that following year. I'm playing high school, playing varsity. So I came back the next year, 14 and under. Yeah. And I, like, I, we were in Seattle. I dominated <laughs> and got the MVP and we lost. Mm-hmm. We lost in the finals. And so, but that was like that period where I knew, okay, like Turn with my peers, like this is, this is real. This is, you start getting recruited, yeah. all of that. But, but going into high school, having that momentum, it's different now because you got AAU, yeah. kids play a lot younger. But back then it was one tournament. You had people from different regions. Yeah. You met at the nationals and we won. How did that feel for you to be, like you say, your pops an NFL player, like for you to be kind of like forging your own way and like starting to be noticed, like, you know, you start to say you're getting recruited and things like that. How did that feel for you as somebody who growing up with a professional athlete dad? I think there's pressure. Your children might might have yeah. felt it. Mm-hmm. You know, it might have been more pressure for me if I played the same sport. Right. But, you know, my dad... Obviously, his career, my mom was, you know, an accomplished businesswoman. And so, you know, you go through those weird middle school years. We trying to figure things out. And, um, and you know, look, I didn't have great confidence. I stuttered. Like, I just, I, you know, and, and I think for me, I'm trying to find my way a little bit at that time. Basketball was my thing. And, and it was a thing. Confidence. Yeah. And here's the thing. Like, here's the thing. I realize it as a parent now, too. No matter how much money, no matter how many connections, no how many resources we have, you can't teach hunger and you can't mm-hmm. make it for your children, particularly in sports. Yeah. It's the ultimate meritocracy. Yeah. You know, we go man on man, yeah. like either you're going to win or I'm going to win. You know what I'm saying? In other industries, other walks of life, sometimes connections can open doors. But in sports, it's the ultimate, like, if you're better, you're better. You're better. Like, yeah. that's it. If, if the team's better, then that's it. You shake your hand and you move on. And so... So for me to like prove myself that I'm doing this independent of them, I think that was important at that period of time in my life. How was it, you know, we all, we come up the era, we some old men, we come up the <laughs> era. But how was that to see your name in like the Streets and Smith and like see your name in all them yeah. high rankings and seeing them other names that you see up there? And you know, you come from Reston, Virginia, to see your name up there with the rest of them, like how was that for you? So you said Street Smith, so you are old. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what we know. They don't know what that is, man. So like, I was start, like, as a fan, you're starving for anything basketball. Mm-hmm. Anything in the magazine, anything in the newspaper. Black and white. USA Today, <laughs> yeah. you got USA Today. Remember the uh, All-American team? Mm-hmm. And they had the photo spread in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they'd have those preseason publications. Yeah. And you'd read about the I'd read the stories of like, okay, this guy, I remember reading about Damon Bailey, who was mm-hmm. in my class. And it was like he was like an urban legend. Urban legend. Like, everybody, legend. like they be from the other <laughs> yeah, side of the country. Like, never him, seen Cotton, yeah. oh, Kenny legend. Anderson. I Kenny. remember like reading about Kenny before I played against him. And so and then for me, there was Michael Jackson who was older, but then Dennis Scott. So Dennis Reed was in D. my hometown. And so Dennis was from Reston. Well, he, he grew up in Maryland, but moved over to Reston. And so Dennis was high school player of the year with Marcus Liberty. Mm-hmm. They were the top two guys. And so... Shottown, Marcus Liberty. Marcus Liberty. And Marcus Liberty, was he was cold. Yeah. Cold. He was cold. <laughs> and um, so watching Dennis go through it. Yeah. And then just like being such a fan. And then all of a sudden, like, man, I'm here. You know, I'm in it. I'm parade All-American and, you know, five-star Nike camp. Like going that whole... That whole path, it was, um, 
I wasn't even thinking about the NBA, man. Like, yeah. I mean, it just seemed so far-fetched at that time. It yeah. was like, man, I just want to make the McDonald's. Yeah. I can get in the McDonald's game. <laughs> that get was that the biggest I got game. Like, how, how was it for you when you found out? Like, because I know, like, our generation, that was like, now it's so many different things that could still be, you know, then raise their level. But back then, the McDonald's was the top tier creme de la creme. <laughs> you, McDonald's, you, you didn't stamp. You didn't stamp yeah. of approval. So, how did that feel when you got that? Because I know, like me, you watched the years before when they announced the teams on TV and you get to see it. Like, how was that for you when you was in your moment getting your shot? It was great. I, I um, the crazy thing is I played in the West because there were so many players in the East. Ah, yeah. And so they had, and I was point guard. Like I uh -huh. played point my senior year in high school, and um, actually, you were six seven. I was six seven, six eight, and um, I'm son of the point. So I could handle the ball. <laughs> Dean Smith actually recruited me as a point guard, mm -hmm. and he thought I could be a point guard. But no, it was crazy. It was in Indianapolis at the old Market Square Arena. Obviously, as you come up, you know these guys. You played against these guys, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, some some guys I didn't know. At that point in my life, it was the most incredible week of my life. Outside of Georgetown, was there anybody else that almost got you? So my five schools, yeah. Duke, Georgetown, Carolina, Virginia, and Michigan. Mm. Those were, and I was a big Sean Higgins fan. Okay. And uh, another tall guy that could play on the perimeter. Matter of fact, when they won in 89, I went up there for an unofficial visit the next next weekend. Mm -hmm. And uh, I met I met uh, Ramil Robinson. I met Mark Hughes. There's a guy, Demetrius Caleb, who um, was on that team. So I was a big, big Michigan fan. I probably wouldn't have played because the Fab Five would have come in the next year eventually. <laughs> oh, but man. But, uh, but no, I was a Michigan fan. But, I, it, but it was Duke Carolina. It came out of Duke Carolina. And you know, and I, and I think part of it too back then it was like that was what you saw. Yeah. You know, in Virginia, DC area, you saw yeah. Big East, and you saw ACC. Yeah. We didn't see a whole lot of Big Ten basketball. Yeah. In that area. Not that it was all on ESPN. They were showing all that Big East, yeah. Providence, <laughs> everybody was going Did over. you did you do like a, a press conference or did you just announce? Nah, I just announced. And yeah, we didn't. There was no press conference. You so you just broke people's the whole UNC heart over there, that whole split. So let me tell you what happened. So <laughs> I went to Duke. My first visit was Duke. And at that point, I'm still thinking Carolina. Because you gotta understand, like growing up, everything was North Carolina. Yeah, North Carolina. And I, every I had all the Carolina Baby swag blue, yeah. and everything. <laughs> Carolina, you know, color shoes. So I go to Duke. We even go over to Chapel Hill on one one of the nights to a party on my visit to do. Mm. And uh, cause the schools are just seven that miles close, apart. Yeah. So they're so close. And I even, there was a, a young lady who went to high school with me who was a little bit older. She's passed away, but she, I reached out to her while I was down there. She's like, you're not going to Duke, are you? I was like, nah, I'm just here on a visit. And uh, she's like, all right, you gotta come to Carolina. So that, like, that's where my head was at. But there was something about the visit. There was something about Coach K. There was something about the team. Like I just bought in. And so when I came back, I was like, I told my parents, I was like, I'm ready to go to Duke. And they're like, visit the other schools. Dean Smith's coming in on Tuesday, mm -hmm. you know. So Dean Smith came to the house with Phil Ford, and uh, it was a great visit, sitting in the kitchen. He and my dad going back and forth, talking. My dad's like, you know, idolizing Dean Smith. Yeah. And uh, the next day, I was like, this is where I want to go. Now, my dad, so the following weekend, we were supposed to go to Michigan. And Bo, Bo Schimbeckler, who was then the AD, yeah. former coach, he was going to sit with my dad watching the football game, Michigan-Notre Dame. 
And it was the great game where Rocket Ismail had like two or three touchdowns. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and so he, he didn't speak to me for like a week because he was like, man, <laughs> so, man, you got it. Man, come on, man, go to these visits. Like, but I just knew like this is where I wanted to be. And so anyway, but that was, it was Duke Carolina, but Coach K, you know, he, he got me. He you got know? you. He got me. You got there and uh, Coach K come from a military background. He love hard. He work hard. You the start of this Duke era. You part of the start of the team of the Duke era. You got Bobby Hurley. And uh, you have this squad and, you know, nobody picked you out to win. Nobody picked you out to really go deep because you had all these teams like UNLV. How was that to start the era of Duke with that team that first year? So the year before I arrived, my high school senior year, Duke loses to UNLV in the finals, mm -hmm. 1990 championship game and it was embarrassed. Blow like, out. Yeah, blow, blow out. And they return everybody from that, that team. Stacey Altman, Larry Johnson, Greg Anthony, Anderson Hunt, the whole team. Preseason number one. First day we meet as a team at Duke, Coach K puts on the board 1991 NCAA national champions. And I'm sitting there like, Man, is he crazy? Like, I'm looking around the room. <laughs> I watched like, the game last year. I'm sitting there looking around the room. I'm like, because like, we lose three starters who were seniors. Robert Bricky, Ala Abdenabi, Phil Henderson. Mm -hmm. You got Leitner is going to be a, a junior. He's a good player. You know he's going to take a step forward. Hurley had an up and down freshman year. Mm -hmm. And you got a bunch of role players and five freshmen. I'm thinking, like, I can help this team, but I don't know if we can beat that team. Yeah. But his leadership in establishing – that goal from day one. Like every year I was there, it was only about winning championships. So planting that seed and everything we did that first year was preparing us for that moment. And so if we had two games in three days, if we played Carolina on a on a Tuesday night and then Carolina State, North Carolina State on a Thursday, he would break it down like, this is what we're gonna see in a tournament. Play on a Saturday, then you got to bounce back emotionally and recover and recharge and play Monday. So everything was geared towards, towards winning. And then just as the season kind of got and went along, we had, I mean, we went through a bunch of stuff that year, but we just kind of gradually peaked at the right time, yeah. you know, and, um, and sure. And then yeah, as fate would have it, we ended up playing, you know, playing UNLV again. How was it like going into that game? Y'all done got through this season and y'all done made it to the province land right before the game. Y'all finna play them again, and you know what's going on there. But what was Coach K like? What made him motivate y'all to be so confident out there that, that y'all can slay the giant? Well, first of all, we had a whole week to prepare. So unlike the year before where you had one day, mm -hmm. we had a whole week. We actually practiced five against seven. Mm. And to get used to the speed and the quickness and the athleticism of, of UNLV, they had their amoeba defense. And then... I think one of the things, and I'm patting my own back here, but I think I was on the team, and so now I'm another ball handler. I play power forward. I was, you know, Larry, Larry Johnson's guarding me. He's not used to guarding somebody 6'7", six, 6'8", six, yeah. who could be a pressure release, yeah. who can bring the ball up. So now you didn't have Greg Anthony and Anderson Hunt pounding Bobby Hurley. You had another guy who could bring the ball up. Mm -hmm. So that helped us get into our stuff. And uh, But he just pumped us up. He pumped us up, made us believe. We went in thinking we could win. We probably the only people who thought we could win. Yes. <laughs> Two funny stories. One, so before we leave, 
I got to get my hair right. You know, we go to the barbershop. <laughs> of course, back then I had the flat top. Yeah. So we go to the barber. <laughs> we go, yo, this is crazy. We go to the barber and, you know, our barber used to, you know, used to drink. He used to drink yeah. a lot while he was cutting hair, but he didn't think anything of it. So he cuts T. Lang, Tony Lang, yeah. who's my roommate. He cuts his hair and, and Tony had like a bald fade back then. And then I get in the chair and so the mirror is behind me. He doesn't have a mirror on this side. Yeah. And so my back is to the mirror while he's cutting me and Lang's sitting in front of me. So Lang's trying to like kind of give me that look. Look at him. Like, like dude's must... messing you up. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it, it, I guess the alcohol, I don't know what happened, but when it's done, I'm like, I'm, I'm mad now. Like I'm like, dude, I'm about to go on national TV with this head. <laughs> and and uh, I didn't want to pay for it. And I, I got mad, like I got mad, Lang's laughing. So we don't speak on the drive. I, he and I got in a fight when we got to the dorms because I was like, I blamed him for not letting me know. <laughs> no, when he's the first time he messed up. And then the crazy thing was, you know, this is you know, Coach K, he said before the game, he said, look, I don't want y'all doing anything crazy, like going bald or like, you know, <laughs> do something different than you normally would do. Yeah. Because I think, you know, now I would just cut it down and, and bald it, you know. But back then, this was like this 1991, you know, it was a different time. Yeah. So I go out in one of the most historic Final Fours and oh, has some iconic four. moments with the worst, like I have bowl cut, flat top, like the bowl wasn't even even. Like it was so just- So when you see it- So when I see that, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm like embarrassed. Like I can't even watch those games because I, I just think of that story. Now everybody gonna be looking at it. Oh, the, the hair was terrible, man. Talk about the pass, the perfect pass you made. Oh, with the, to Leitner. You think you can make that throw again? That was like on the money. So. One of the things we did every day was we'd do two-man drills. You guys know, yeah. you know, two-man, you get out, you know, you throw the ball off the backboard, you outlet it, go do a layup. Yeah. The next time it's a jump shot. So you'd have a partner and it would progress to a baseball pass. Mm -hmm. And we did it every day. And so I would, you know, I would talk trash, like, you know, it's in the jeans. Cause I, you know, my dad <laughs> played football. Yeah. Yeah. So I could throw the ball and like person run down the court, catch it in stride, lay it in. Yeah. And so I think Coach knew in that moment that I was the, you know, I was the one that could make that, that pass. We had a game. We lost two games that year in 92, and one of them was the Wake Forest. And we had a, a play where, similar play, but they put 6'10", Trelawney Owens, on me. And I threw the ball, and it curved, and it led Leitner to the sideline where he yeah. stepped on the out of bounds. So I remember after that game, I'm like, you know, if I'm ever in that situation again, I'm just going to step back. You know, they can be... You know, mm -hmm. the fence can be standing, whatever. But if you step back, it just gives you more uh, room. Gives you more room. And so when I came out of the huddle, and they didn't have anybody on me, I'm like, oh, I got it. You know, I'm gonna do my part. Like I'm <laughs> right. gonna do what I gotta do. <laughs> and uh, and thankfully, you know, Christian was Christian gets. You know, obviously, there's been a documentary on him, and you know, we look at his pro career, and it didn't quite pan out yeah. with the expectations. But he was as good of a college basketball player that I've ever seen. And, and, and I, I'm talking starting in 1982. I didn't see before that, you know, the, the UCLA and, yeah. you know, Lou Alcindor and Cream, you know, all of that. But from the modern era, yeah. in terms of accomplishments, in terms of like just stepping up to the challenge against Showed Shaq. Showed up big, every big game. Like, I mean, Shaq's even said it before that Christian like busted it. Like, you know, yeah. Shaq, Larry Johnson, Alonzo, like Christian was competitive, Christian brought it, 
and, and he has some, you know, he has some good players around him too that yeah. help. But he 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 got it done, and uh, and we rode him those years. Like he was, and in that game, he didn't miss a shot. He was perfect from the field, from the free throw line, thirty points, and of course hit that big shot at the end. Tell me this: everybody knows and it's talked about. It's one of the biggest rivalries in sports. Like. What was it like your first time as a freshman? Like, where was the game? Was it at Duke or at UNC when you guys, when you first got a chance to be a part of this rivalry? Like, what was that like? Let me tell you, before the games. <laughs> so we get down there. My my guy. Was, I know that they were your final UNC? two schools, so it was probably something extra waiting oh, for you. Oh, no question. So, <laughs> it's so I'm trying to think of like, like a rivalry, like I don't know in Illinois if it would be Illinois and no, ain't no rivalry like Duke ain't nothing like Duke, but just like the proximity. So the, my thing is like nothing close like like, that. We, like in Florida, like you got Florida, Florida State, right? Yeah. So we live here in Florida, we understand what that rivalry is, but the schools are six, seven miles from each other. Like it's intense, like to the point where you're in the cafeteria, and Duke is the largest employer in Durham. So you got somebody in the cafeteria, somebody at the bookstore, some <laughs> people who work there who will care a lot of fans, who are talking trash to you on your own campus. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I call it living with the enemy. <laughs> and it probably goes both. And, and back then, we were up and coming. Like, we, we're more established now. We've yeah. had success. But it was all, all Carolina back then. But I realized that my guy, like one of my closest friends when I was in high school was Brian Reese. Brian Reese played at Carolina from uh, New York. Played at Tollentine with Adrian Archery from the Bronx. You know, he had come down in high school to visit. I had gone up to New York. Like, so we, we had a good friendship. So freshman orientation, we go over to a party over at Carolina. And it's their freshman orientation. So we're both at the party, and we didn't speak. <laughs> and literally, we'd see each other out and about, and for four years didn't speak. Yeah, because we... <laughs> and so that, that's what I'm saying. That's, all of a sudden, you kind of helicopter into this this unique sort of, like it's, it's, it's hard to describe it, but, and it was to the point too, when you went over there, you never went over there like alone. <laughs> you had to make sure somebody watched No, I'm just saying, cause something might happen. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it was always like, always that energy was there. Yeah. I mean, you know, these are two PWIs, you know, they're not, but I'm just saying like, you just always felt like something could pop You can't be in enemy off. territory yeah, without know. nobody with you. And, um, but you know, they would come over, the guys on their team, they would, try to date the girls at Duke and we would try to date the yeah. girls over there. And so we'd socialize, we'd be at parties, but we never like connected. It was yeah. always, we'd be in the same room, but we kept our distance. How was the atmosphere like walking in the gym and seeing seeing how hype y'all fans was when you having the home games and just seeing how crazy they fans was when you having the you away know, games? I thought that just what, that's what college basketball was. And what I mean by that is the Cameron Crazies were crazy. They were creative. They were loud. They, you know, it was a great environment for us to play in. It was a great environment, I think, for opposing teams. You know, y'all are competitors. If you oh, went I in played there, there, so you come in there, you're going to want to put up numbers. Like I, you, I did. Exactly. I'm sure you did. <laughs> so, you know, and then when we went on the road, you know, we felt that. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And, and, and so I just kind of thought, like, this was normal sort of college basketball energy. And really, the reality, it wasn't. And also, too, I think what was happening, Duke was becoming a really good team. We had good success. You know, there was the private school element. We had some good white players. Mm -hmm. So, like, it was an interesting time. And then we, we beat UNLV, which was, you know, an all-black team. Yeah. We beat Michigan, the Fab Five. Yeah. So there were there's sort of these cultural wars that were going how, on. How did that feel for you to be one of the – because, like you said, if you were talking about that time period – 
Duke was viewed as the as the private right. school with the white guys, Blue and Kyle. you were one of the few black dudes, and you like you one of the better players. So how did that feel for you to be basically you you on the quote unquote other side or whatever from right. our culture basically? Well, well, and I felt that I mean I, I experienced that as a fan, one with Georgetown, the pride that you know even though Georgetown is like Duke in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. or like DePaul, it's a, you know it's, I mean it's a probably more like. It's like both, like yeah. both schools, small private school, a predominantly white institution. Mm-hmm. But to see, you know, an all-black team all black with a strong team, yeah. black coach, I identified with that. Mm-hmm. And that was what I was drawn to as a fan of the NBA, the Lakers. Like, I hated the Celtics. I hated the Celtics because Larry Bird yeah. and Kevin McCann. And they were good. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they were, they were white. Right. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. so, so I understand the sentiment. Yeah. I do think, though, when I was in it, I didn't realize what was happening. Yeah. I didn't realize that this was going on. And what I mean by that is, you know, we were insulated. Like, I didn't read a newspaper. Like, you know, I mean, I might get the campus newspaper. I'm not paying money to, like, you know, yeah. buy newspapers. And not that the newspaper would show that, but I think they kind of painted this picture of, like, good versus bad, yeah. white versus black. Yeah. And I just think we were kind of oblivious to it. Mm-hmm. To my point, everywhere we went, we were hated. Mm-hmm. And every time somebody came to see us, they were hated. Mm-hmm. And so I think there was a part of it. I mean, this may sound like I'm pleading ignorance, but, and then when I would go out, like Durham, you know, there's a real sort of rich African-American history in Durham. Durham was that city where in North Carolina, if you wanted a job opportunity, you came to Durham. You know, in D.C., Coach K built, you know, I like to say he, the foundation of Duke basketball was from D.C., you know, Johnny Dawkins, Tommy Amaker, Billy King, Brian, De- like myself, these guys, Danny Ferry. So at home, everybody showed Duke love, you know, mm-hmm. at least they showed me Duke love, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And then in Durham, so I didn't see, I didn't feel that, mm-hmm. but I get it. Yeah. I understand it. So I, I was oblivious to all of it. You know, we were just trying to win. We were kids. We were having fun. But I understand looking back at it now where that came from. One other thing before we move on from Duke, I want like, because I asked J.J. this when we had J.J. on there. When you were going into Duke as a freshman or when you decided you're going to get there, could, did you ever foresee, and I don't know if you see yourself this way, but I think the rest of the world do, that you now looking at like how great, how much success Duke has had, all of the players, did you ever think like you would be one of the people, like if there was like a, a Mount Rushmore, you would be in there. Like of all of these unbelievably great players, accomplishments, not obviously – Coach yeah. K is above everything, but like amongst the players, like I felt like JJ, one of them guys, like yeah, late no you, like to be a, sit atop or something like that. You ever thought about that? It's a great question. You know, you went to DePaul for two, two years. years, okay, and you you went right out of high school, no college. I admire no, but say I admire what you did, and I'll explain why. When I arrived at Duke, I didn't see what everybody else saw. I knew I was a good player. But I did lack some confidence and belief. And I think basketball helped build that over time. So I didn't come in thinking I was going to like do work. I, I actually, I needed to be pushed a little bit. I needed to be pushed into greatness, if that makes sense. And so coach pushed me. And I said this, and it, it may come across the wrong way. I said it at the Hall of Fame enshrinement. He was one of my presenters. But like, I, um, you know, and, and this sound, it may come across the wrong way, but he gave me permission to be, like, it's okay to be great. Mm-hmm. And I think I wanted to fit in. 
And so sometimes to be great, you got to stand out. Mm -hmm. And I struggled with that a little bit. So to answer your question, I far exceeded my expectations. I never, like, Jersey retirement, like, I I wasn't, even, forget about the NBA. Like, I wasn't even (laughs) thinking about the NBA. That's why I say I I marvel at you, like, hey, I can do this, and I'm going to do it. I needed to grow into that. Mm -hmm. And by the time I left college, my senior year, where now it's on me, I couldn't hide behind Bobby, couldn't hide behind Christian. Now I'm the leader. I'm one that's responsible for, you know, getting all of us to the mountaintop or whatever. And we lost that year to Arkansas. And Scotty Thurman hit a, a hit a great shot against us. But that year and that experience and the, and the collect the cumulative four years prepared me for the expectation and the pressure that comes with being a top pick in the NBA. Yeah. How was it like at the draft, your mother, your father's successful black people, and uh, all they want for you is to have a goal or dream or something that you want to do, and your father was a professional athlete, and now they get to see their son at the draft becoming a man, taking another step up in life, and uh, finna play with the men now. Like, how was that for them to see your father and your, your mother just excited for you and what you accomplished? You know, I never... I never really have asked them that. I mean, I think I get a sense just sort of having gone through it with them. I mean, it was an incredible ride. I think they enjoyed every minute of it, you know, and in and, and the high school and even in the college. And I think, you know, it was a little bit of bittersweet at that moment because I think they realized that, yes, now— I'm going into this. I'm a man. I'm I'm yeah. I'm no longer on the payroll. Definitely can take care of yourself now. <laughs> I mean, you know, but all like all the good that comes yeah. with that. But then also, it changes when you get to the league. Yeah, parents aren't as involved. You know, yeah. like in college, the parents are like you know high You're school, and so you know. I, and for me as a parent, nothing gives me greater joy than watching and supporting and following my kids. The growth. And watching them in their sports. Like, my, I got a daughter who plays soccer. I'm, I'm the videographer. I'm, I'm the one putting the thing up. I'm, reco- I'm sending all the parents the videos. You got the whole set of I'm like, I'll sit, Yeah, I'm like, I'm like all into it. Then I got another daughter who is an MMA fighter. Okay. I never thought I'd get into it. Like, now I'm, you know, I'm watching fights with her. I'm taking her to Vegas. Like, yeah. And so, you know, having gone through it, not that they've, they're still young and, and, you know, she'll get mad at me for saying this, but like the <laughs> MMA thing, like you're conflicted about. Yeah. Because you're like, if she loses, it could be really scary. And, re- and thankfully she hasn't lost yet and hopefully won't lose. But if you lose, it could be serious. Yeah. So you don't want them to lose. Yeah. But if they win, they want to keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so it's like, yeah. you know, yeah. that's not, you know, as my wife says, you know, you make plans and God laughs. But as a parent, yeah. So I, I can only imagine for my parents, like they just, and you know what? To be able to share the journey with them, the ups and the downs, because there were some downs too. But that moment, like that was a surreal moment. You guys experienced, yeah. your guests have experienced it. And it's almost like you feel like you, like, man, I made it. Yeah. Right and when you're shaking his hand yeah. and you're looking off into the crowd and them cameras flash yeah. and you like, yeah. I made it. I didn't watch this you so many before, times. You know, your parents, you know, you feel like yeah. you did something to make them proud of you. Exactly. Of achieving something. That's what I felt when my mom and grandma was there. So you drafted to the Pistons, number three. <laughs> you know, your boy was drafted number three. You need them three boys, you know. You, you get drafted I'm, I'm to the 18, Pistons, I'm and way, you know, like you're you you a fan of history. You know the Isaiahs and the Joe Dumars. They won in an era where nobody gave them a chance to win in the Larry Bird and, and Magic Johnson era. 
But like I say, your, your idols become your rivals. I mean, my cousin was telling me that you can't be a fan no more. And the way you started that season off, you definitely wasn't no fan no more. Because I see how you, you shook Scotty up. But how was it like your first year being there and seeing the guys that you, you dreamed about playing against or playing with? And now, like you say, it's all on you now. You don't have the late nerves or, or nobody to kind of give you that push in front. Even Isaiah and Joe Dumars and them was on their back end. Like, you right in <laughs> and ready to go. And they wanted you, the organization, the town wanted you to go. How was that to have that pressure and to be ready to go and to, you know, test your might? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Now, I think it was a bit of a transitional period for that franchise. You know, they hit the bad boys, had great success. They won. They kind of were declining. Lambeer retired mid-year, the year before. Isaiah retired that summer. I got drafted. Joe was still on the roster. The year before, they drafted Lindsey Hunter and Allen Houston. Mm -hmm. So I was next up. So it was almost like you could feel like a transition was occurring. But the expectations weren't high at all. You know, the summer before I arrived at, at in Detroit, I was down at Duke and I was, you know, just playing pickup ball all summer. And uh, Quinn Snyder, who, you know, formerly coached recently at Utah, you know, he, he at that point had been an assistant with Larry Brown with the Clippers. And so in pickup ball, he was like, yo, man, like when you play pickup, you're coming at people, pop, pop. You know, you you do the legs, crossover, getting by people. But when you play in the game, you're backing people down. And, you know, and so I'm doing like the magic, you know, Steve yeah, Smith right. handle like yeah. this. And he said, in the NBA, you can do that. And so I remember him, like literally he told me that maybe two weeks before I left to go to like camp. And so when I got there, I was like, like, it, like really sounds crazy, but I was like, man, this is easy. Like I'm, I'm like going against guys that aren't used to defending this kind of play. So my first game, like I came in and, you know, like I, I don't know, 20, I mean, I, I don't remember the game, but I've heard about it because I think Paulo did something similar recently, but I had like 25, 10 and five, like, and I was able to just get to where I wanted. Speed through, through. So I'm calling my boys up, like, yo, man, the league, man, it's overrated. Like, I'm like, <laughs> hey, I'm like I feel it myself, you know what I'm saying? And, 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 and all of that. But, you know, once they get a scouting report on you and they figure you out after 15 games, it got a little bit harder. But, yeah, like, I was ready. Like, I, I was confident. I was assured who I was. I was ready for the moment. I embraced the challenge of being, like, the face or whatever. And, yeah. and it was crazy. It was a bit of a whirlwind. You know, Jordan had retired. And for whatever reason, a lot came my way. And so I'm signing shoe deals and doing commercials and, you know, magazines. Like, everything was just happening really, really how, fast. How was it to be the first rookie to lead the All-Star in votes, fan voting? Like, you beat Shaq out. Like, and no rookie had ever led the league in votes for an All-Star. Like, how, like, at that point, you had to be like, damn. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was. I mean, like, I remember, I remember the PR guy there, um, Matt Dobek. He was like, "Man, there's a chance that you you may start an All Star game." I'm like, "Start, like, <laughs> dude, I, I can't believe I'll be in the All." Like, That's I, what I'm saying, like, not so, only start, you gonna lead the like, whole joint. But I think a couple things. One, the league, the NBA, is a global marketing and public relations firm. Like, that's what they do. No matter who comes in, at, like. They can promote and market their players all over the world. We all can go all over the world, which we've done, and people know who we are because of our association with the league. And so 
when there's, I call it fresh meat, but when there's young, you know, young players coming in, they're going to promote them. Yeah. I think the benefit I had was, in some ways, playing at Duke. Whether you liked Duke or you hated Duke, you saw Duke. Mm-hmm. And I remember before I left, Coach K's wife, Mrs. Shashevsky, she she told me like of the, and I'm I'm not saying the right numbers, but she said like of the 120 games or 115 games you played in college, 112 of them are on national TV. And so the visibility over four years playing three Final Four championship games, I just felt like that people knew who I was. Yeah, you were. And then I came in out the gate and I was like, I was balling. Mm-hmm. And and so a combination of that and then maybe the league, like it just, I, mean, I was just like, man, I just want to come in and like show that I was worth the pick. Yeah. But then when it started all happen, it was like, and then the, the all-star, like I, like I'm, I'm watching these guys just a year right. before, mm-hmm. and now I'm in the room with Scotty and you know Crazy. Gary Payton, Sean Camp, all these guys, and so I don't know if I felt like I belonged, and I felt like I still had a lot of work to do. But I mean that that changed over you know in a few years. But like at first it was it was like I said it was a whirlwind, man. Like it was. It so you, did you ever feel like in that early part of it that you, that you had some people looking at you like they trying to give you something that you don't deserve and like, oh, I'm going to show y'all that I got to serve y'all up? Yeah. I think people thought Duke, you know, this kid's getting all this attention, whatever. So they came at you. But like, like I was going right back at the, like, <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, that's what I'm was, saying. That's right. So, and then, you know, look, I, 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 think, I think subconsciously I always live with that. I think people look, oh, you know, your dad played in the NFL. You know, I'm, we're going to go at him. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, coming up 10, 11, 12, like, playing older people, people have these. And so, like, I only know how to play one way, so I'm not. that's not going to intimidate me or whatever. So, but that, you know, that that didn't, and like I said, it sounds pretty arrogant to be saying, but, like, I came in, like, I was, like, I was busting their ass. Oh, no, you supposed to. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When I came in the league, for that. real. Like, I, I had a really good start. Well, you know still, what? Still wonder why I shared the uh, COVID Rookie of the Year with J. Kidd. <laughs> But that's my guy, though. <laughs> okay, J-Kid. <laughs> you know, we, we dream about the league, and, you know, one of the things we dream about the league, having a nickname or having our own shoe. Did you think that, like, you look back now, like, this is your Fila shoe is, like, one of the classics of the culture. Like, to this day, it's still a classic of the culture. I have. How you know, and why uh, Fila, though? It's a great story. I never liked the Fila shoe, but ever. yours was the hardest no, 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 no. one so, ever. They're the only reason that. Fila has credibility <laughs> no, no, was because of the Grand Hill shoe. So I appreciate that, and I appreciate the question. And there's a little story there. So I was Nike. Like, mm-hmm. I was all the way. Like, you know, we wore Adidas for three years at Duke, and then the, the last year we wore Nikes. Mm-hmm. And I went out to... Beaverton and met, you know, did the whole thing, yeah. with, you know, before, really before the draft. And I remember sitting with Phil Knight and he was like, you know, this speaks to his vision for the future. But he was talking about the Far East and talking about going over to China and the Far East and those countries and expanding and, and growing the game, but growing Nike in those markets. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, you and how you, you know, comport yourself, like you would really resonate. He wanted to have me at the Great Wall of China via satellite for the NBA draft. Mm-hmm. And so all my people were like, oh, that's a great idea. And I'm thinking, man, 
I, I want I want that moment with Commissioner Star. I want to be there. Right. Like I'm, you know. <laughs> but but like it was all Nike. The negotiations got kind of screwed up. They kind of lowballed me, and it was posturing, or whatever. And then Fila's headquarters were in Baltimore. My dad's from Baltimore, so he said, "Let's just go over there and look." Not thinking anything of it, so we go over there. And, you know, I'm like, okay, they got some nice stuff, you know. And I'm, I'm thinking, like, growing up, like, either in the country clubs, like the tennis players or, like, the doughboys and the rap, you know, from yeah. Fila. But that was – and Fila was kind of like – I don't know. It was kind of like aspirational in the 80s, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, you know, it was it was looked at – but it wasn't looked at as a performance brand for mm-hmm. basketball. Yeah. So I'll be real with you. Like, they had – they had a couple sheets of paper at the, at, the, at the conference room, and I turned to that second page, and the money? <laughs> I was like, you know, I could wear some feeling. You know what I'm saying? And, and, uh, but he got money. He got money. <laughs> so I'm getting low-balled over here. <laughs> and right. I'm you know like, what they you know offer what? and know what they offer? Yeah, it's no like time. He said. <laughs> oh, they, 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 got, they got money. <laughs> no, that, that was it. I mean, I, I hate to say it. That was the initial, like, okay. Like, that opened my eyes. Yeah. And then, you know, we just... We ended up going forward with but it. But the reception you got, because a lot of people had your shoe. A lot of people wore your shoe to to have people like, yeah, you got the deal, but people still got to buy your shoe to see people wearing it the way they was wearing it. How was that for you? It was crazy. So one thing, I don't know if this, if this still stands, but I want to say up until like 2000, it was the highest grossing debut shoe like a signature shoe. And that included like Jordan, that included Shaq, included AI, all those guys. So I, I, I was, like I said, I was overwhelmed. Like I didn't I didn't see that coming. Yeah. You know, they had Jamal Mashburn from the year before. He wore feelers. Yeah. But now all of a sudden, it just, it took off. Yeah. One of the big things, and I think it was a period of time too, where you you have the, the convergence of sport and, and music and culture. But like one of the, like Method Man wore them in a video with uh, Mary J. Mm-hmm. You know, like that was... Like, that was crazy to me. Like, yeah. oh, smack, he's wearing my shoe. Like, you know, and, and then you go places, you go to games, and kids would want you to sign the shoes, or you might, you know, see people wearing your shoes at the mall or whatever. And so it was just like, like, man, I got my own shoe. Like, and then, you know, Everybody people sending you stuff. It. Like, they send, I mean, you guys probably still got the, you know, but like, you know, <laughs> with, with Jumpman, but... They send you all types of apparel and shoes. My boys are good. Like, yeah. everybody's good. <laughs> like, family just, wearing Fila. Everybody's wearing Fila. And, and so it was just, you know, it was, man, life was good. I can't complain. Like I was. How, how is it to, like, like he said, you did all of that back then, and, you know, it did what it did. Like you said, it did the records as a debut shoe. Was it mind-blowing when they came back to you, like, we want to retro it and bring it out now? In 2020, what was it, 21, when they first brought it back, or 20? Like, to see it make a comeback and you like, y'all really want to do this again? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how was that for you? So, it was crazy. Like, I remember 28, it was 2018, we were talking, and I went in to meet with Fila, and I literally just went in because I wanted some, like, like velour sweatsuits. Like, I just, like, <laughs> I just, like yeah, seriously. I, and we had been, no, for real, I, I, I mean, it's a true story. I went, I, I left Fila, went to Adidas for a couple of years, went to Nike, and I finished my career wearing Nike. Yeah. And so I'm in New York. John Epstein, who's passed away, but he was the, the CEO then. He was the CEO when I was with Fila at the end. I just went in to kind of clear the air. We hadn't, you know, hadn't caught up in a while. And and uh, I was just like, I was just like, man, if I could get some, you know, some gear, I'm good. Mm. And he was like, you know, we wanna, we wanna reconnect. The 90s are in. Kids today like 
like things that have a story, like vinyl. Vinyl's in with this young demographic. Vinyl, there's a story. You know, you got the photo album, you got the, the credits. Like, it's, it's a picture, like, very different than kids now just downloading. There's no, you know, back in the day, that's how we felt connected to yeah. the artists. Yeah. By looking at the, you know. CD yeah, cover, yeah, all that. Read the book, all that. And so the shoes, too, like, there's a story behind it. And people, they want that. And so I was like, all right, y'all say something. Like, I, I was thinking that like, people really want the shoes, but they put them back out. I, you know, I still get a royalty check. And um, and it's you know, nice, great. <laughs> you know, so it's 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 all good. But I, I never saw that coming. Never saw that coming. Yeah, it's part of the culture. It's culture driven. So I, I knew it was coming back. Right, just seeing everything else come back. Like, yeah, you got to get them Grand Hill, them Fila Grand Hill. That's the only time I hear Fila name is when they mention <laughs> hey. the Yoshu name. Hey, but tell me this though. So you, your rookie year, you the first rookie to ever get lead the lead the All Star in votes. Like, that's cool now. Then your second year, you outvote MJ. What the fuck? Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> like, that was crazy. like, come on, bro. Like, what? That was crazy. That was Tell crazy. Tell me what, where your mind went when that happened. Like, that's like, that's not gonna happen. But then that happened. Yeah. No. I mean, that that was that was. I still don't. You know, I, I don't know how that. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest with you. I mean, that was. I got. I got. I got. Came back too. So yeah, he did. And he coming off Space Jam. Like it was just a lot of you know. The league needed him. Everybody wanted him back, embraced him back. And, and at this point, you know, I kind of gotten to know Mike. Mike, um, I see him in Durham, you know, from time to time. But a real funny story. So I'm I'm in L.A. the summer of 95 after my rookie year. And um, I'm there to do, I'm taping Living Single. Mm -hmm. So I'm out there doing that. And they built this, this dome for Mike on the Warner Brothers lot. And I find out that they're playing pickup ball. Mm -hmm. And um, so I go over there. Now I got my Grand Hill twos with the patent leather. And oh, he's he, got his with, with George, Space Jam leather. No, no, the, with the with the patent leather. Yeah, yeah the his, retro eleven. The, so we like I'm I'm thinking like oh this dude took you know he's stealing he my patent leather. He's probably thinking the same thing. <laughs> but they're not out yet. They're not out yet. Yeah. Like they're not in the stores yet. And so we're playing pickup ball. Now that first day, man, when I tell you I gave him the business, I was. Killing Mike, like I was like literally like my jumper. I, I didn't really shoot the ball, but my jumper was hitting. I'm crossing the like I'm just like I'm going at him to the yeah. point where once again I get I, I'm done. I get on the phone with my boys. Man. <laughs> Yo, I'm killing Mike, man. Mike, <laughs> you know all of that. And then I came back the next day. Oh my, like a whole nother person. Oh my, I, I should have just quit while I was ahead, man. <laughs> and I don't know if I was really killing him, like. Like like I you know, like I right. felt like I was killing him, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but in my mind I was killing him. Oh, you hit one shot on Mike. It's like we were ten. But <laughs> but like, man, the next day all that footwork in the post, like guarding me, not letting me get anywhere. Like it was a whole different person. And um, <laughs> but I had that one moment. But now he, I always enjoyed competing against him and competing with him in the All Star game. Mm -hmm. And. Um, but I didn't guard him a whole lot because I, I, I matched up with Scotty a lot. But to beat him in an All-Star, like, come on, man. I, I, I still, I don't know if my mom was you know, voting multiple times or what, <laughs> but, but something happened. All right, as you guys know, we've been giving away digital collectibles on each episode. The secret word for this episode is 33. All lowercase, no spaces. When I got to the league, uh, one of my moves that used to work was that right to left crossover. Seeing your right to left crossover all the time, like, 
how was it for your right to left to work? When you seen your right to left work every game, because I seen you bring it out every game. You don't bring it out all the time. One time maybe in the first half, one time maybe in the second half. To see that move work, how was that? Because I seen you cross Scotty and dunk that, that thing, and I was I mean, like, damn, that, that right to left work every single vicious. time he bring it out. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I would go through the, my legs left to right and then try to come cross you over. And, and, and that came from watching Chris Jackson mm -hmm. and, and Tim Hardaway. But I couldn't do it like as Tim fast Hardaway as they would bop, go, bop, bop. bop. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just couldn't. So to me, that like dribble through the legs is kind of a just lazy a dribble. It was a setup. <laughs> and then either I'd cross you up or go. Yeah. You know? And I probably carried a little bit. But, um, <laughs> but no, I mean, it, like I said, like I don't think players were – used to somebody North coming South. at him like that yeah. back then, uh, somebody tall. And I remember, man, I remember years later, I was guarding KD. Uh, I was in Phoenix. I'm guarding Durant. And, you know, with Durant, like back then, my, my, my strategy with Kevin was, um, you know, he kind of shoots yeah. from his left side. Yeah. So if he's going to go left, he's going to pull up. Yeah. If he goes right, I want to force him to go right, but I want him to pull up, you know? He may get to the I don't, I don't want him to go yeah, right to the rim. I just want him to turn him off, yep. And so, man, one time he's guarding me, and he did a, he did a double crossover on me. And mm, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, he did, I don't know what he did, but he did something. And it was just like, man, like, you know, the bar just gets, you know, and he had a, a crazy jump shot. But but the game, it's part of the game evolving, you know? And, you you, you know, we're standing on, each, um, on other people's games, and we get inspired by that, and... You know, you, you see guys now doing things that are amazing. But back then, I think, uh, like like Jay Kidd, like I think one of the things with Jay Kidd, he didn't beat you with anything. No, he was just he so speed, fast. Yeah, speed crossover. Exactly. Yeah. He just changed direction. Yeah, <laughs> and I, you know, I think I think I was deceptively quick. I, you know, you look at sometimes I look at the stuff. I'm like, man, I look slow. No, but I think I could cover. I could get by people. Get to where you, you know? need to get to. And and, uh, and I didn't really shoot the ball that great. I, I developed that later, but. Yeah. But yeah, now the crossover. That, like I said, DC. Everybody wanted the crossover. Yeah. Like that was that was. I it. want to rewind back to going out to LA and being in the dome because you you share something like me and my boy here. You was in year two, you know what I'm saying? You was going out to LA to be a big time TV show star on Living Single. We <laughs> did those things. We was on Arliss and one on one. But I, I remember actually, the Arliss one. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, that. yeah. That. Like, tell me how that was for you. And it's uh, like, I'm going to bring up my wife, and I got to bring up Ashley, because they big living single fans. Like, literally, you know how everything on the on the apps now. I wake up in the middle of the night, and living single is on TV in my house. So. <laughs> so, for real, it was like, I didn't see it. But she was like, you got to ask him about, the, about, about being on living single. And I, so she was throwing it to me. How was that for you? And it, 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 she brought up a great point. She was like, how come in the 90s or the well, we did it in the early 2000s, but like why all the TV shows always had us in some elementary school gym <laughs> with a little, with a little, little fake default jersey <laughs> on. They can't put the NBA right, stuff and then right. they got us dunking on a little basket like that. Like yep. how was that whole experience for you though? Well, you're right about the basketball court. Um, <laughs> that was, that was crazy. So I, I didn't know what I was getting into. And this man was on there. For y'all that don't know, please go look it up. He on there playing the piano. He's I mean, singing. He's saying that. He's in the whole show. So let me tell you something. He's in the whole show. So I had done, earlier that year, I did Home Improvement. Uh -huh. So I did that. Oh, that okay, summer. with Tim. But that was just, yeah. a, you know, and that, that was based in Detroit. So right, So there was okay. a natural. So, and it was just like one scene. Uh -huh. And so it was like easy. 
This man and so the they agreed. Show. They asked me to do it, so I flew out to L.A. and um, remember the old hotel Nico in Beverly Hills. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. maybe it's a different name, but um, when you guys got there, but it was. Um, so I'm staying there. They dropped the script off the night before the reading, and so I didn't even look at the script. Like I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm just got one scene. I'm not, you know. So we get to the table reading, and if we tape on a Tuesday night, I think the table reading is like the next day. So it was like a Wednesday. So they taped the the episode before, the night before, and then we're sitting there and we're going through and I'm like, damn, I got to really act. Like, I got a lot of stuff here. Like, (laughs) I'm like, like, they got me kissing and they got me playing piano, (laughs) they got got me singing. I'm like, you know, I I can't do all that. Like, I'm like, not that I'm like, I can't, I'm just like. I ain't signed up for this. Yeah, I ain't signed up for this. (laughs) So the funny thing is, we go through, we, we rehearse all week. We got the weekend off. That's when I was playing ball with MJ. We do a dress rehearsal the night before. I think it was like the Monday night, the following week. So I had a kissing scene with Latifah right, on the couch. and uh, But we never rehearsed. So I didn't know, like, <laughs> what, what are we doing here? Like, what, what, you know, like it was never, nobody told me. Like, you just kiss like the neck, right? I, uh-oh. So, <laughs> you went in for the real deal and no, didn't know, no, ladies no, and gentlemen. No, no, no. So, so, so the, the scene was, the scene was, we kissed to, in, to, to black. So that means kiss to commercial. Right. Yeah. And so we get cued. When y'all stop kissing. When to stop kissing. So y'all got whole so, lips. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, um, so we do the scene. Like, I mean, I, if I see it now, like leading up to, I'm nervous. I'm nervous about the, like yeah. doing this part. Like, I'm like, I don't know what. What are we doing? Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. And it's never been discussed. Yeah, I, I like, I mean, what's, what is this? Like, talk to me. I don't know. You know, I mean, like, I'm, I'm, the, I'm not the real actor here. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, and so, scene comes, and you know, we start kissing, and and, and they don't cue us. And so it felt like we were on the couch, like forever, like out. <laughs> longer than I had anticipated. Yeah. Let's leave it at that. And so, uh, but anyway, no, it was it was it was cool, and it was it was a show. I still get more people that talk to me. I run into them like, man, I saw you a living single. Yeah. Or people might even tweet and all Everybody that. Everybody loves so, that. That's hilarious. But that was a classic show. Classic. And I was, you know, definitely certainly a classic honor. show. I definitely did more than I, than I bought. That man was playing pianos. He was singing. <laughs> oh. He sang the Queen Latifah, the regime. He was singing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, regime. Oh, that thing was yeah. funny, man. Yeah. The decision to leave Detroit and go to Orlando, like, uh, just take us through the process of the talks, the what made you decide to finally go, what you was thinking on as the team was getting set up with T-Mac and particularly maybe Duncan trying to come over. What's your version of of it? Well, two things. One, I never thought I'd leave Detroit. Yeah. And, I mean, I obviously did. But my intention was, you know, like to me, it was Isaiah. Like yeah. every before every game in the Palace, I looked at his banner. Like to me, I'm... That's the standard. That's what I'm chasing. That's what I want to accomplish. And when I got hurt, I hurt my ankle. It was kind of mismanaged at the end of that last year. I was probably emotional and probably upset and directed a lot of that anger towards the team. And so I think in that moment then I started thinking like, man, I'm out. You know, basically long story short, like I'm out. We all go through that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, But I think prior to that, prior to the injury, I wasn't thinking at all about leaving Detroit. And so, you know, Tim and I had the same agent, and we both made a trip down to Orlando. 
the year before that year, Doc Rivers coached them. They were 500. They had a lot of pieces. They didn't really have the stars, you know. But they had some good support pieces, and um, we had a good visit. Obviously, I've said this before publicly that you know Tim's girlfriend asked Doc, "Could wives or girlfriends travel on a team plane?" Doc and, dropped the ball on this one, boss. Yeah, I mean, dropped the ball on this one, boss. And so I, I didn't know at the time, but I guess <laughs> that last year in San Antonio, the Spurs started allowing that to happen and started really recruiting her in a way to help keep Tim. Mm -hmm. This is what I've been told. I don't know if this is <laughs> the absolute certain, absolute truth. And so she was accustomed to that. For me at that point, like girlfriends and wives didn't travel on team. Right. Like right. I, that was like, to me that seemed like a, like a unusual question. It depends. Like but it's changed now. It wasn't a, a, a usual thing, but if somebody was, if we going home and they there instead of them waiting the whole day to the next day to leave, they'd be like, come on, ride back with us. <laughs> you know, well, like, I when that I got before. to Phoenix, like that was under. Well, like, yeah, that was that was, was a whole different Phoenix, world. Yeah, that was a whole different world. <laughs> you bring Wives nanny, kids, there you bring, you know. Our homeboys could sit in practice. Yeah, like you yeah. know the arena yeah. that little. Yeah, our homeboys yeah. would sit like and chill and watch practice. So that was the first time that I experienced that when I got to Phoenix seven years later. But at that point, when I heard that question, I was like, that just seemed it seemed out of the ordinary. But and then T Mac. He didn't make the trip, but they were talking about, look, we can get all three of y'all. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't think, I didn't know T-Mac was that good. Mm -hmm. I knew he was good. Right. And he had, I didn't either. Until Nobody I knew at that point. When he until got I got there, to the league, I didn't know. I mean, he, had, I he, he, was, good. he was good in, just in Toronto. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He could defend, he could score. Yeah. But I, I didn't realize. So I'm thinking, you got me, you got Mac, you got Tim. Man, we're, we're, we're off to the races. Definitely like, we're was. Like, <laughs> and, uh, and then Tim... You know, ended up staying. They recruited him hard. David Robinson flew back from Hawaii. Like, and, and he did. He made the right decision. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was obviously the right thing. But, you know, for me, I showed up. My ankle just wasn't right. Basically, long story short, came back too soon and probably should have waited initially a mm -hmm. little bit longer. And then coming back too soon, <laughs> I'm going to probably explain more than I should. But um, I ended up getting what's called a non-union. And a non-union is that if, if these two fingers are, are one bone and they break, typically what they do is they, you know, they put them back together, they put pins in there to hold it together mm -hmm. and let the body heal. But the two bones healed, but they didn't heal together. Mm -hmm. And so now that's what took so essentially long. three more years yeah. and three more surgeries to try to get that to heal. Yeah. So I do think, I can't say this with absolute certainty, but I think if, if we had waited a little bit longer I'm responsible as well as I can't blame yeah. the team or the yeah. dog. Like, to me, nobody put a gun in my head and said, yeah. you got to play. Yeah. But, like, that sort of derailed the next four years. But what was interesting, though, right away, I'm sitting there like, man, this team Mac kid. Like, before the season starts, I'm like, <laughs> oh, my. Like, yeah. man, if I can get right with him, yeah. like, he it's going to be a he problem. He went through one. He went through one. Every time I seen him, it was 30. <laughs> I want to ask you this, though. I want you to explain from your point of view, and I want you to explain how strong your wife has to be right. in this. Right. Like when you're going through an injury, doing the things that we're doing and, and doing for something that we love so much to do, and you can't get out there and play, to go through that injury, you have to persevere. You got to have a mindset, you know what I'm saying, a strong mindset, and it'd be tough days that you have. I want you to just explain to like, man, what you went through 
when you went through that whole process to not give up on yourself to finally come back with Phoenix and so forth. Because I see every player, like when I see D. Rose, when I see another player that go, I know the mindset, the mental, the daily work, the every day. And not only you, if you have a spouse or a wife, she has to go through that same <laughs> stuff with you and be there with you on your low days and on your high days. So explain that, that and, to us. And you've had, you had a knee, right, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, so you've both probably lived it. Yeah, microfash. yeah, so... No, that's that's a great question. I think first of all, with the wives, with the spouses, that I think everybody sees the perks that come with being married, you know, to somebody in the NBA. But there's also there's the challenges, you know, yeah. what I'm saying and the schedule, you know, being gone. Uh, at times, I think feeling like you're, you know, a single parent, you know. Yeah. There's, there's, so it's not. I have respect for that. And I think unless you've been in it, yeah. it's hard to fully understand. But then the injuries, like that's, you know, I, <laughs> so you know, I had. Five ankle surgeries, um, and I'm on crutches. And so, you know, I had a little bell, you know, and it's like, I need something, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so to me, it like eventually threw that bell. And, yeah. it was like, and then when I had to have like, I don't know, my third surgery, fourth surgery, it was kind of like, I remember she was like, I can't take another surgery. Like it just, so the toll <laughs> yeah. on them is yeah, real, it's you real. know? I do think for us, though, as athletes, we're naturally conditioned to fight. Mm-hmm. And I always say, like, we're in a game, you're down 10 with six <laughs> minutes left. You believe you got a chance. Yeah. You go against, we talked about Michael Jordan. You go, you, you're not going, you're going out there to compete. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You're playing the Bulls or you're playing, you know, the, the, the Warriors during their, their, during their dynasty. Or you're playing any great team. You're going in there feeling like you're going to win. And you may not win, but that's the mindset that I think sports helps to cultivate and so going through an injury, it's like, I'm going to fight through this. Now, it wasn't always easy. You know what I'm saying? You had your ups and your downs. And for me, what I realized, I suppressed a lot of it. Like, I just kind of like, I'm going to get through it. Like, I'm here. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I'm going to make up it on the back end. Mm-hmm. I kept saying, I'm going to play till I'm 40. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling y'all, the day I turned 40, I was with the Clippers my last year. My knee, like, I was done. And it was training camp. Mm-hmm. And I knew, like, my body... And I, I kept saying, I should have said 45. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but yeah, like I think, I think it's, t- so going through all of that, it was hard. I don't think I really dealt with it until I got in the Hall of Fame. And what I mean by that is I'm the type of person that I'm goal-oriented. I got things I want to accomplish. I don't look back. I'm constantly looking forward. In my house in Detroit, my house in, you know, Orlando, different stages of my career and where we've lived, I've never displayed my accomplishments because I'm always trying to go forward, trying to do something new, trying to accomplish something else. I always felt like that made you soft if I did that because you rest naturally on your Lord. So I wanted to stay hungry. And so when I got to the Hall of Fame and that build up to the Hall of Fame, that's naturally a moment to reflect. That's naturally work. Yeah, you're just going to reflect on everything. It's the last, it's like the capstone on your career. And so in that moment, I think I started to realize that I suppressed a lot of things and didn't fully deal with them in real time. And look, I mean, people suppress things that are far worse than not being able to play. But, um, but I was just driven. Like I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna figure out a way to stack get back. my days. Just, yeah, just stacking my days every day. And this. so I wasn't the same player when I came back. Mm-hmm. And that's the one. Not that I have regrets, but 
I think when you when you have your when you have your weapons and you go out on the court, you have to have a belief. I don't care who you're going against. You always feel like I'm the best player or I'm going to win this matchup. And I felt that before I got hurt. Like when I was on that court, I'm like, man, MJ, he got to guard me. Yeah. Like, you know, like, you know, he, whatever. Right. I mean, just you, you no, have you to think that, that way. You and you guys have way. all felt that way. Yeah, you got to be that and way. I, could, I know because I played against y'all mm -hmm. and I can feel it. And you can tell when somebody doesn't. You yeah. know when somebody's exactly. scared. Yeah. And so when I came back, I didn't have that same edge. I didn't have that same... I don't want to say same dog, but that same standard maybe. Mm -hmm. I was just happy to be back, which is a beautiful thing. You know what I'm saying? You've because been out for so long. It's beautiful to be like I'm appreciative, but like I didn't, I didn't come back like you know yeah. kicking ass, taking names type of thing. Yeah. I came back just like, hey, you want me to guard? You want me to do this? No, I'll it, do it. Yeah. You want me to like you know, people, you know what I'm saying? This, this, is not, I, this is where I can remember about him coming back because I, I can tell you, I had a lot of respect for when you did finally make it back to the court because I can remember we. We played, we guarded each other. And I was like, you like, all right, like, he ain't that G here that's about to goddamn. But I can remember being like, yo, like, after the game, like, pushing ain't about nothing. Like, G Hill out here going, though. Like, mm -hmm. play hard as shit. You know what I'm saying? It was like, like you said, guarding, guarding doing players. everything, guarding, and like, still, like you say, you wasn't about to go. You know, turn back the clock, but like you still was. Your jumper was better, more consistent. I mm -hmm. feel like then you was more of a jump shot threat. But like to me, it was just like I can't believe this man playing this fucking hard. Like he playing hard. As, <laughs> he was playing hard as hell. <laughs> like like hustling and like then I felt like you was more. You had gotten stronger and was way more physical then. Like I was like. That's what I feel like. He trying to push and like I'm the pusher around that bit. Like he trying to push me. Like okay, but like I can remember then. I remember you playing like you got like uh, I think like '09. One of them years you played like all 82 games, and I remember like it wasn't like obviously it wasn't like big deal. But I can, I'm one of them people that watch all of the games, and I can remember them talking about. It and I was like, God damn, like like I remember having a, a whole lot of respect for that. Like boy, this boy went through what he went through, and like. Just off the strength of all that, you wouldn't think he gonna get another 82 in, like at some point for you to have play all 82. And I, I could, I was thinking to myself, like I know that was something that he was like, I want to do. Like that was probably like a goal. And so like for me, like when I saw it, like you may have thought we respected that shit. Like me and everybody that I was peers with and teammates with, we was all talking about it. like, yo, G Hill playing hard as fuck. Like you know what I'm saying? Like so it was a respect factor from us for it. I mean, first, I appreciate you sharing that. I mean, it, I think you look at the, and like I said, it's not a bad thing, but like every moment is like you look at it differently. I, I'll tell you a story. So I used to get to the jump ball, and um, this is, you know, Phoenix years. I get to the jump ball, and you see somebody, whatever, and they look up at my hair, and they see the grays. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, they see my gray. I'm going I'm to run the shit out. And so, and like, I'm just going to run up and down the court all That's day. That's exactly yeah. how you fuck. I used to, I'm like, yo, why is this motherfucker running so hard? Yeah. I swear to you, that yeah. shit is funny because he used to be gone. Oh, like, and, and, you know, and Nash, he's going to throw it to you. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So like, I'm like, hey, gonna I'm going to get three, four layups just beating everybody down the floor. Yeah. No, and, um, but no, I mean, it was, you know what? I'm glad I did it. I still had the desire to love. And once it's over, it's over. And I saw that with my dad. I saw it with his generation. That once you walk away from it, there's no going back. Uh, it's definitely that. And so I'm gonna do it as long as I can. And we're in a league that, you know, they smell blood. If they, if they see you got an injury, you a little bit hurt, you can't do the things that we done seen you do before, 
we're not taking nobody's taking no no chance on you. They're not giving you nothing. They're not gonna. You got to take everything you get in this league. So I know, like when you come back, cause like just seeing Penny, you know, Penny was one of our favorites, and getting into the league, and Penny is with Phoenix. Penny wasn't the, the guy that was jumping and moving and all that, and we was going at his ass. <laughs> like, oh, let me tell you, let me tell you a story about that. Not Penny, but a story about MJ. So yeah. his last year with the Wizards, it's gonna be his last season. Yeah, we go to DC, we played him earlier in the year, and it was crazy. Like I'm guarding MJ, and he's you know he's older now, yeah. so he's not obviously. We, we we guys were in the league when he was playing that year, but I blocked his shot two or three times. Like I feel like. Like, I'm just kind of like, you know, yeah. like Gardner, you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And so we played him on TNT, and we go to D.C., and my doctor, who was in Baltimore, I think this was like, this was the 2002-2003 season. So it might have been like in November or December. I go see the doctor. My ankle's messed up again. Mm. And, like, I'm going to have to have season-ending surgery but I want to play against Mike one more time. One more time. Like, cause I know this is it. Like, I'm right. not going to see him again. Man, he was killing me. I should have got my ass out. I should have just, you know what, I should have, once again, I should have quit. Just let it go. When I was ahead, but the ego, the pride, the competitive. So the same stupid little turn down play and I couldn't, I couldn't move. And he knew, like, you know, so to your point, like, you know, like, you know, when you, you know when somebody's scared. You know you, you just know it, and 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 you know when somebody wants to compete, and you respect when somebody's going to square up with you and compete. You may win, they may win, but you respect that they're not scared. I want to get your your take, your perspective, because we had a few guys on here that was part of that team, the college select team that played against the dream team, and <laughs> and we had a few different stories about you know how y'all was doing well and. We had Mashburn, how Bird ran up on him and talk talk records to him. Like, tell me your perspective. Like, how was that for you? The whole experience. What was you thinking before, during, and after that whole experience with the Dream Team? Man, that, that was one of the best weeks of my life. I mean, just as a fan, it was after my second year at Duke. It's me, Mashburn, Allen Houston, Penny, Rodney Bobby Rogers. Hurley, Montross, Rodney Rogers, eight of us. Weber. And well, oh man, I can't see well. Like, yeah, I mean, we. So, we get to La Jolla. We're in a nice hotel resort. We get there early. We go out and play that first game. And I know there's been a lot of talk about what happened, but we we busted. You know, Kicked we yeah we yeah we went at them. Allen Houston hit like ten threes. Weber was just dunking everything inside. Bobby could get by into the paint, make plays. Um, Everybody, Penny, myself, we're bringing the ball, like dunk, like just, it was, it was one of the more, like most magical moments that I've <laughs> ever had. Cause you're going against these heroes. Right, and yeah. we didn't have, like we didn't, like nowadays you're a top high school, top college player. You might play against a pro, you might see him. Shoot, you might've played against him in high school. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I like guess back then it was just, it was a little bit a different. You whole team of them. <laughs> yeah, so all, these are legends. Magic, yeah. Bird, Michael, like, you know, Clyde, Malone. Pat Ewan, Malone. I mean, just down the list. And then, well, before that day, though, before that day, so we had a little practice the day before, and we all were getting back from practice, and we get on the elevator, and Larry Bird's on the elevator, <laughs> and he's chirping. Now, at this point, I didn't realize Larry talked trash. Yeah. But he's talking, and I didn't realize how big he was. Yeah. Like, he's 6'10". Right. <laughs> and, 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 but he's on the, I'm like, yo, he's, 
he tossed a lot of trash. Like, I, didn't, I didn't see that. I didn't think. Right. But nah, man, look, you know. What did he say? I can't remember what he was saying. <laughs> like, He's like, y'all better get y'all rest because I'm going to fly. He was like talking all this noise. And so Coach K in the Dream Team documentary said that Chuck Daly threw that scrimmage uh-huh. to kind of get them to focus. But nah, uh-uh. And he tried to say Michael, he sat Michael out. Man, look, Michael got some of that. <laughs> he might not have got all of it, but he got some of it. But it ain't like the rest of the guys were terrible. Like you go, you know what I'm saying? Like even yeah. if Michael did sit, they should they, they should still should have won. Blow right. y'all out. Now the next day, we couldn't get the ball over half court. <laughs> we had Michael and Scotty. They pressed up oh, like that. Oh man, it was it was a whole, but it was a whole different. It, it, but it woke them up. Like you know what yeah. I'm saying? And it showed them that they could lose. Yeah. But that was man. We were in La Jolla. We you know we man. We're hanging with Mike, with Scott. Like it was just man. It was. Unreal. We still, we, we talk amongst ourselves, like Penny, myself, Alan. We got to do a documentary yeah. on that week. Yeah, definitely. Just through do. our lens. For like real. what we experience. We all on the verge of being in the NBA. Yeah. We all, you know, a lot of us go on to be all stars. Yeah. But what that was like for us. Mm-hmm. But that showed me, yo, I could play on this level. Like that showed me I can play with these guys, and uh, it was a real eye opener for I me. I need that documentary. I need to see all yeah, that. I need, I need that yeah. too. How how was it? Uh, how is it to hear like your peers? You know, guys like even on our show, man, guys just because I know your career didn't go the way you wanted it to go, but man, to, to hear guys like us and other guys and other veterans and Hall of Famers just speak up on your game. The, what they liked about your game, the way you played, the way you carried yourself. Like, how is that for you? No, I mean, look, I mean, anytime somebody, you know, says anything that's that's positive, you feel good about it. I think, I think what I struggled with was I don't know if I saw what everybody else saw or what those people such as yourselves have, have said today and also said throughout the years. And what I mean by that is, for a period of time, looking back on my career, I saw the struggle, I saw the hurt, the, mm-hmm. the fighting through the injury, mm-hmm. and then coming back and and having to outrun Q to score. Like you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like like being that role player. Yeah. That sometimes I forgot who I was yeah. before all that. And so, you know, I think writing a book, having to go back and live in these moments, and you know, talk about things. What you know, what I recall, like it helped me sort of appreciate the totality of my career and appreciate those moments because like. You know, like <laughs> like my wife, you know, it's fine, it's a bad analogy, but my wife, you know, my wife is a recording artist and all that. And so, and she's not super, super active, but she still works and, you know, gets out there from time to time. But, you know, we live in Orlando and like, you know, she'll play tennis with, you know, the ladies at the tennis club or whatever. And they don't really know who she is, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so... They're like, oh, you sing? Do you do bar, bar mitzvahs and weddings? You know, and like, so yeah. they don't, you know. But then we go to certain <laughs> markets, yeah. And like, we go to Atlanta, we go to Detroit, we go to DC. Like, she's a star. She's a star. Yeah. And so sometimes you forget who you are or forget what you've done. Yeah. And so for me to be able to reflect, to go through the Hall of Fame, to write a book, to just like, like just appreciate those years. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing: I'm chasing Isaiah. I'm chasing legends when I'm in Detroit. We're not winning. We're not having that success. We won 28 games my first year, 46 my second, 54 my third, and then we went backwards my last three years. And so to me, I didn't, it wasn't because I was in Detroit or whatever, but we weren't winning. Yeah. You know, I came from Duke where it was about winning. Yeah. And I felt like we had a chance. Even if we didn't win, the goal was to win. Mm -hmm. 
And you start looking around like, well, we know we're close to winning. And so it was hard for me to celebrate my own individual when as a team we weren't having that kind of success. I never lost ever in my life until I got to the NBA, being on just losing. It's hard. So it's hard to just lose when you ain't never lost like that before. No question. I look at it, though, like coming from, like looking at it, I'll say this from this perspective. Being who, who you know what I'm saying, who you were and the projection of where everything could have went if you stayed healthy, for you to have that perseverance and, and fight to go through everything you went through and then still, like, like you said, when you came out on the other side, you knew you weren't the same dude, but for you to still operate the way you did and go about things the way you did and be like, I, you were an example and I wasn't even in that locker room. Just mm -hmm. to know that you came back and did what you did and were doing what you were doing in that way, like that had to be inspirational to the people that was watching and seeing like it was Grand Hill like and then to come back and not be that you ain't have to do that like you know what I'm saying like that was that was dope to me well I appreciate you sharing that and and first of all I think I think it's hard in any sport when you've been you've been you know at the top mm -hmm. and now to not be that same player and you know for me Sometimes it just happens gradually as you get older. Exactly. You know, you kind of, you, and you adjust. You adjust your game accordingly. But for me, like it happened, like, I and so I'll give you an example. My last year in Detroit, and I know somebody's going to correct me on this, but like my last year in Detroit against Orlando, I might have averaged 38, 39, whatever, high 30s, 40 a game against Orlando. Monty Williams, coach of Phoenix. Monty's my guy. I come the next, so that was 2000 season. I come to Orlando in September, we're playing pickup ball, and Monty's kicking my butt. And and so, and, and obviously I'm not right, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And Monty's a great player, but like he's having his way with me. And so like to not, like I said, to not, you're accustomed to being able to do things and then not being able to do it. And then, okay, how am I gonna adjust? Yeah. And and so sometimes I wish I would have pushed myself a little harder, but also I'm proud that I was able to reinvent myself. Yeah. I went to Phoenix. Now I go from having a ball in my hands my whole career. Now I'm standing in the corner yeah. trying to be this guy. Yeah. <laughs> how, how was that like in, in Phoenix? Like, like they had confidence in you to not only play, but we finna put you on the best player. Like you got a, a known history of having an ankle problem, but we putting you on Kobe. We putting you on every team's best player, and they have the confidence in you. So that should be a definitely a big confidence booster in you for, for an organization, a team to believe in you, and not only believe in you, but to be like, yeah, we 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 trust in you to make their best player have the hardest game they can have. And out of all the players that we got, you the one that we choosing to do that. Coming off not playing that many years and you know what I'm saying? Well, Trust first of all, me. I don't know if I made it hard for Kobe. No, you, you uh, didn't, but like, <laughs> you know, like. No, I mean, but I, I kind of, part of reinventing, I became a defensive stopper. Yeah. And I was like, they put me on Tony Parker, they put yeah. me on Baron Davis, they put me on Monte Ellis, they yeah. put me on whoever on the perimeter. And I kind of relished that, uh, that role. But I think part of it, and this is not an indictment on players today or, or the environment of grassroots basketball today, but when we came up, you went to the park or you went to the playground, you went to the gym. We probably played with older people. Mm -hmm. And the thing about the park is, one, the objective is to win. Mm -hmm. But the two is, how do I have value on this court? Because if, if I pick so-and-so 
and they can't shoot, but they're taking jumpers like they, they can shoot like him, mm-hmm. they're not going to get picked. At all. So you got to figure out how I can, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm 12, I'm 13, I'm playing with 20, I'm playing with men. I can't play with them like I play with my boys. You can't. So I got to set screens, I got to defend. You can't make a mistake. You can't make a mistake. Man, you gotta, young fella, I shouldn't even pick the young fella, man. You're that's making it. all this <laughs> and, and I don't think kids today yeah. experience that. They learn in a silo. Yeah. With the coach, they learn trainer. They don't learn how to like, okay, they skill level is they skill level is yeah. high, but they don't get the other stuff that comes with it. And part of it even too, like I feel like the we strategy grow, of the game. We grow up being GMs. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got my five. I, I got I, I gotta get a Who shooter. Who I wanna play with. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> how, how are we gonna what are we gonna do? To where we can stay on the court all day. All day. And Regardless so, of who yeah. you out there with. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. your boy, you're like, yo, like, man, you gotta sit this one, man. Like, yeah. you know, whatever, whatever it can be. And so I, I feel like part of that, you figure out how to add value. The ball's not gonna be in my hands. Steve Nash, two time MVP. Amari, screen and roll. I'm not a great shooter. I can hit the corner three. What do I have to do to stay on the court? Mm-hmm. And you figure it out. And that's what I, you know, and I, and I just feel like that foundation of how we came up playing. You figure it out. Now, when we get older and we, you know, we we can dominate the court when we're coming up, or when you know when we're at that level. But there's a point where you're trying to like play with the big boys. You're trying to, and you, but the objective is to win. And so that to me was I got to play this role, and this is what I got to do. That it's a different role than what I've done before, but I'm gonna do it. And I actually, you know what? I actually enjoyed it. Like I enjoyed. I'll say this, man. Like if you look at the 19 years of my career, being like a you know, the all-star, superstar level, being hurt and having to go through all of that, and then coming back, being a contributor, being a role player. And then my last year in L.A., I'm not playing. So I'm coming in three on three. Like, matter of fact, games would be mm-hmm. over. I'm like, I got to go home. I got to go home and sleep because my game's tomorrow. You know, and you do them four on four or three on threes. Please and so, say that louder for the people in the back. Because it's some, it's some kids out there right now on some roster that's, right. you know, not getting playing time. And, feel like they and the assistant out the practice telling them, come on, let's get our Man. work in. And somebody getting an attitude and they don't want to do it. Grant fucking Hill no, did, and, and I, was look, doing it. And look, you know, we had a crazy team. We had, you know, Blake, Chris Paul, DeAndre. But we had like Matt Barnes, Karan Butler, Jamal Crawford, Willie Green, Billups. I mean, we had a, we had a, mm-hmm. we should have done better. Better. We had a really good team. <laughs> but, like, to me, like, that was like, because you love the game, man. Look, I, I don't know if you guys physically can still play. You know, I don't know no, if. No, these knees ain't working so like that no more. <laughs> I can. I choose not to. Choose not to. Because I want to stay healthy. You want to stay healthy, man. <laughs> so it, it, it's, it's. Keep all these ligaments in tight. <laughs> so it, it's, a, it's a privilege. Yes, it it's is. It's an honor to be able to. In, this, in the NBA? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Come on, man. Every day is an opportunity. Man. How many years did y'all play in the league? Uh, I got 10. 10? 13. 13, okay. We all came up with people, you know, boys in high school, whatever, who had the same dreams that we had. Mm-hmm. We were fortunate to take it further. Mm-hmm. At some point, they had to walk away. Mm-hmm. But my, my theory is the longer you do it, the harder it is yes, to walk man. away. You know, okay, you're 18. I'm not good enough to go from high school to college. All right. You know, I go to college, start working, whatever. I can play at the Y, whatever the case may be. But you, it's easier to accept. Mm-hmm. But as the older you get and the longer you've done it, I'm not saying that, you know, finance, I mean, whatever. I'm not saying that, you know, there's, there's certainly perks and we all know that, that that exists. But the part of belonging, like being a part of something bigger than yourself, like that's something that, that's all you know. I'm 40 years old. 
And look, I'm doing amazing things now in my, my re, you know, retirement, if you will, in my career and business and all that, whatever. But nothing replaces that. And, and, and I'm 40 years old and I'm walking away from it. And it's hard. And this is the other reality you're walking into. Like you said, we all been through it. We, as athletes, right, we the only people, when you talk about people getting doctor degrees, becoming lawyers or judges and all this, and all, when they when they reach the pinnacle of their career, they about to ride this thing out. Not us. If you lucky, like you said 40, man, you lucky you get to 32. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? 30. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We was fortunate. All of us got past that age, but you know what I'm saying? Like then, as soon as you, you know, and I know you know it for a fact because we do similar things. Like, I don't care who you are. As soon as you walk out of the door and you not doing this no more, you back at square one. They tell you, to, they don't want you, They don't, us, they don't want us walking in the door to be an analyst at Turner or to work for the Magic. They don't want us walking in talking about, we played 20 years in the league, we know this and that. Nah. I want you to humble yourself and you starting over from block A. You need to come in, pen and pad in <laughs> hand, ready to learn, humble, and you don't know more than me. Like, and, and in right. some respects, I'm sitting here like, time out. I do need to learn. I do need this. But fuck that. I know more than you. <laughs> like, I've been doing this since, like, what you talking about? And I know it deep in, way more in depth than you. Like, what you talking about? Like, and we found that out along the way, too. Like, yeah, we do need to learn a fucking lot. But, like, hold up. We well, can teach y'all some shit, too. There's the technical aspect of, like, certain things. I mean, you guys have obviously done very well here and done other things in media. And so, yeah, you're making that transition. You got to learn, okay, I'm supposed to speak or project or do this or mm -hmm. do that. But when it comes to basketball, no. Nah. I mean, look, yeah. you know, Top I know tier. you guys. Know, I mean, I, I know Q better. I don't know you as well, although we've, you know, competed against each other and so on. But, like, just even playing against, like, I know you know the game. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And you know it's more than just, and I'm not saying you had to have gone through what we went through, but it helps. You know what I'm saying? When you know what it's like to lose and, you know, go on a losing streak. Mm -hmm. Okay, then how do you manage that? And how do you prepare? Like, you, you've lived it. And, and so there's instantly a bond, instantly a sense of, like, we understand each other. To be a former player and be a, a, a co-owner of a franchise, like, you know, it's a dream come true for a lot of players to be in that position, for you to be in that position. How is that for you and your family? You know, it's, I mean, it's, it's surreal. And the fact that it happened... So quickly after I retired, two years after I retired, but I, I was thinking about this from day one. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember, I don't know if you were in Detroit when Mr. Davidson, Bill Davidson, was, a, was the owner there? No, when I came, Gores was Gores. the owner. Okay. So I remember I signed this big rookie contract back when my, my year was the last year that, you know. Oh, yeah, that one big dog held everybody hostage, held yeah. it up, sat there, sat there on. Go ahead, tell you. No, I'm glad, I'm glad I big dog did because I that. probably yeah. got more money. But. I'm going to ask you something about that. <laughs> But so, you know, 1994, I signed like $46 million, which is a lot of money now. It was probably more money back then. And I remember Bill Davidson, he owns this team. This is a little side thing. He's right. got his real business over here. And so I'm like, man, I want to be in that position yeah. one day. And I want to be in that role. And so I, you know, literally not sure how it would happen, but I knew it would happen at some, some point. And so, but... To have the responsibility, Tony Ressler is our managing partner, I'm vice chairman of our ownership group, to take a franchise and add value to it, to build the infrastructure, the new arena, practice facility, G League team. Mm -hmm. You guys know this. Atlanta 
was a team in a market that Atlanta was always a city everybody liked to go to. Love to. People like to live there. It's affordable. It's a great city. It's got an international airport. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of culture there. Yeah. But the franchise had never really been... Took the jump. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. it was just something was missing. Mm -hmm. And so I always looked at that as, as an opportunity. And so we're proud of what we've done. We're proud of, of the work. But we know we got a lot more work in front of us. You from Chicago. You know, there's a pride in Chicago mm -hmm. for all Chicago sports. Whether they're winning or losing, well, no. you're loyal. Philly has that. Boston has that. And so building that emotional connection with our audience, like that's something that we work hard. But it's fun. Like, and the great thing is, and I'm appreciative, as a former player, my voice is strong. And they value my voice and my thoughts on things. You know, and so we, you know, and one thing I think Adam Silver, talking with Adam, is he recognizes we need more former players in those roles who can add value to ownership groups who have a perspective that most ownership groups don't have. Yeah. I can look at our team and tell, I, I know exactly what's going on. Like, I mean, at different times, and this is over the, the course of years. I can say, okay, this, oh, they don't like this guy or this guy, this guy's shooting too much or something's going on. Like, you yeah. can just see it because you lived it. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And so certain things that maybe others who haven't been through, like you're saying, you have that perspective. That's why you can walk in, like you said, you can see it. They can be talking about it for a week, and you walk in in one day and just start laughing, and you know. <laughs> like, straight up. Straight, this is what I want to ask, though. You referred to signing $46 million as a rookie. First of all, that shit been over with. They was the class to stop. <laughs> Big dog. Let me, let Big me dog. just say, look, I want to – so what I want to ask is, like, from your perspective, as a rookie, part of the rookie class – you about to get this big bag. And this is all normal for y'all at the time. It's not like something crazy happened. When you see him say he holding out, did y'all have any thoughts like, should we be asking for more? Or what was your just whole perspective when it was all happening? So Glenn, Glenn Robinson was the number one pick. Jay Kidd was two. I was three. Danielle Marshall was four. Of the four of us, I signed first. Mm -hmm. And maybe they didn't like that because I kind of maybe set the market. Mm -hmm. I think... Jason went for 54. Big Dog was holding out for 100. Mm -hmm. He ended up getting 60. I think he got Gary like 68. Indiana, boy. Yeah, he got like 67. <laughs> and um, I mean, man, look, I, you could have given me 20 or 10. Like I was right. just, you know what I'm saying? Like you go from essentially, I mean, I, obviously my parents, you know, subsidizing me, but I didn't have, I mean, I didn't have any money. I had to, mm -hmm. and, um, and then all of a sudden you, you sign a contract. Like it's, it's, it's the most incredible thing and also the scariest thing at the same time. But yeah, I mean it was it was crazy. And and they did away with that. They after that immediately. They did the rookie slotting. Now we um, got a rookie scale everyone. Rookie scale. You're yeah. slotted one through th you, you can blame my everything. class. You can blame my class for that. But that was uh, no, nah, that was crazy, man. I got a uh, start bench trade for you. You got to start one, you got to bench one, you got to trade one. Kevin Durant, T-Mac, <sighs> and Bird. <laughs> Who do you start? Who do you bench? Who do you trade? Oh, man. I'm all shoot. I'm all small forwards, too. Right? That's actually not so hard for me. Preference-based, but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's 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 tough, man. Because, like, I hated Larry Bird, but, man, he was he was cold. But I'm going to stick with the modern era. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go start Durant, bench Mac, and I'm trading Bird. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> I don't, you know what his, I don't know how his game 
it'd be interesting. You, it's, it's unfair to compare eras, but shoot, I think Larry Bird would probably do that too. <laughs> I think Bird he would, would give these folks work. <laughs> oh no, I ain't never seen no, Bird Larry would get busy. I, I think he would say the same thing I said. Mm. I think he would do the same thing or something similar. So I always ask this question on here, and I mean, I feel like without even asking it, you being a part owner in the Hawks is is sufficient enough. But we gonna bypass that that little piece of information like we don't know it. I want to know maybe the young wild G Hill that was like when you signed at forty six. <laughs> I want to know what 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 G Hill did. The biggest purchase you made, where you look back on it, like what the hell was I doing? But in that moment, you enjoyed the hell out of it. Now what you it got for mom and dad? Now I don't hear about no mom and right dad here. taking care of no house. <laughs> and I'm talking about something where you look back on it, like yeah, that was stupid or crazy, but it was it was fly at the time. And we didn't have you know, some crazy. You know, here's the thing though, like, and this this may surprise you a little bit. I didn't buy anything my first, like, uh. I didn't, like, I didn't buy a car. I was in Detroit. Got one I, free. I had a deal with General Motors. Got one free. So they gave me a car, <laughs> and then they gave me another car. They gave me a car, and then they gave me a car I could rotate every, uh -huh. like, two months. Mm -hmm. I was with Fila. They owned Ferrari, uh -huh. so they gave me a Ferrari. And um, man, got a free Ferrari. I think the only thing, like, I really got into, like, my vice is, was probably clothes, like, buying suits. And, um, Suited and booted, uh -huh. but like, like I mean, I didn't have, I didn't, I didn't go crazy like, like out the gate. Like I didn't at any point. When like T Mac bought a plane, he had the <laughs> Yo, craziest one. No, he no, had. No, a, he, no, no, was you on his? You his teammate no, when he no, bought no, the jet? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. So this, did he tell y'all that about the jet? About the jet? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let me say this funny story with that. So y'all know, you know, Dorian Boylan, he owns a Mercedes dealership. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Former so, baseball player. Right, former baseball. Okay, I, I won't mention it. Anyway, <laughs> so I charter a plane to go to Atlanta. This might have been like 2009. I pull up to the plane. They give me an upgrade, you know, from a mid-sized jet to a bigger jet. And I pull up, and it's T Mac on the tail. Yeah. And come to find out, like this dude bought this big old plane, had a flight attendant in there, like <laughs> 12, 13 seats on the plane. And I'm like. <laughs> I'm like, man, what am I doing wrong? Like at first, I was, there, I was like, man. But then I started, you know, because I'm always, you know, I, I, like I said, and I have a, a different, maybe a unique perspective in that just, I heard all the horror stories mm -hmm. from my parents, from my dad, from mm -hmm. people his generation. Now, they didn't make the money that we made we during made, our yeah. time, but like, that's all I ever heard that mm -hmm. people, you know, and, and not that everybody struggled, but there was some that did. Mm -hmm. So I always went in, I always went in like, Fearful, like paranoid. And so, don't get me wrong, over time, as you make a lot of money and you put it away and you start investing and you do things, you know, I have a rather large home, I, you know, certain things that, you know, that I have. That, but I don't regret, you know what I'm saying? But I didn't do that right away, mm -hmm. you know. But no, I don't, I, don't, I don't really, I mean. I ain't get the purchase yet. Did y'all hear the purchase? <laughs> I need to hear the purchase. What was it? I know you didn't get, you, did you get a jewelry? What'd you get? You got something, a car or something. I'm talking about out your pocket. Not a Rari that was given, although that's fucking baller. Uh, I wish I, somebody gave me a Rari before. I, that's I, like a bar right there. I, so I, I think when I was when I was dating my wife and we, we rented a house out in Malibu, I think it was like the summer of 97. So I bought a Porsche convertible that we could, you know, 
that we would, you know, that we would have and we, you know, scoot around or whatever. Oh, just so, when y'all was out in Malibu. And, but I, Malibu I was trying to impress him. Oh, I was yeah, like, I was, saw, trying, uh, to, uh, yeah, I was trying to impress him. He's trying to stun you. And so, but then I'm moving back to Detroit where you don't really need a... You don't need a poor. So I had to get rid of him. So I think that was maybe like the first one where I was like, that wasn't That wasn't the smallest thing. That is exactly what I'm looking for. Got the guy, you know, got at this point, she just the breeze. She ain't the wife yet. You no, trying to impress no, the breezy. Press, yeah. When he got the vert, you know what I'm saying? Crib out in Malibu. Vert, the even, the, even, even, the, even the Malibu. Like, I, that yeah, was the Malibu. Little, like, who lives much. in Malibu? You don't live in Malibu. <laughs> yeah, that was a little much. Yeah, no. uh, one more thing I want to uh, ask you. Uh, what do Coach K mean to you? Like, I've, I've, the years and the friendships and the talks and even after you left, Overall, is in his career, what do Coach K mean to you? Yeah, I mean, just excellence, you know, friendship, you know, just the standard of, you know, there's a reason why he's successful. And um, outside of him being from Chicago, that's right. No, and, and here's the thing. So the funny thing was, you know, I can't imitate Coach, but you know, every we all would imitate him at times, and but he always talked about how he was from Chicago. <laughs> and how he was tough. And he would be like, you know, he's like, I got a bunch of suburban kids on my team, you know, and like, you're not from, and so, you know, and then you, he talk about his, you know, the guys he grew up with yeah. in, in Chicago and he'd talk about how tough they were and different things he would do and he's trying to motivate us or whatever and then you meet the guys and there's nothing tough about it. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, this is, this is Mo? Like, this is Mo, Mo's the nicest guy in the world, you know? Mo used to have. So, you know, those were, those were, no, nah, but I mean, but here's the thing. I mean, I'll say this about Coach in Chicago. He coached. And, you know, look, I get the perception. I get Duke. And it can be, people feel a certain way. It can be polarizing. But he coached like he was from the inner city of Chicago. Uh -huh. Like, there, there really was a toughness about him. Of course, he's polished. He looks the part. He, but, like, like, he's a fighter. Oh, it show up there. No, he's like a fighter. They, I, was it that last game when he didn't like what happened? He said, I ain't like that, but we ain't done. <laughs> no, no question. No no question. And so, like, even like, you know, and I used to kind of roll my eyes, and then I did it. It was kind of brainwashed, but, like, taking charges. Like, mm -hmm. the thing about that is you're sacrificing your body for the team. Like, that's the tough thing to do. And so we'd have to take the charge drills. Like, you had to take a charge. If you didn't take a charge, you didn't play. Ooh. And so, you know what I'm saying? And so, so I know when you play against a Duke guy, you're like, oh, they go taking them charges again. Shane Batty, I used to hate <laughs> his ass. But that, but that was that was ingrained in us, and the philosophy was just it was it was rooted in like that's the ultimate sacrifice. Maybe a little bit of West Point weeds in there as well. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But like, but that like you had to have that to play for him. And here's a beautiful thing too: he wasn't. And he'll get mad at me for saying this, but he wasn't a great X and O guy. Mm -hmm. He didn't beat you with X's and O's. But he was great at getting you to believe mm -hmm. and buy in and taking all these different personalities and coming together. And that's why I thought he was so great with the Olympic team because mm -hmm. he can connect. He, 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 you know, he when you got a great team, he knows how to connect with everybody on a personal. He knew how to deal with me, and that dealing with me was different than someone else. Yeah. That's his genius. That's where he's so special. Excellent. We didn't run nothing. I mean, when I was in school, we didn't run any plays. You know, we just played. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just think how to, I think as an example of excellence, but also as a leader, you know, what leadership is. And uh, leadership is connection. Leadership is honesty. 
leadership is doing and saying the tough things that need to be, you know, but all of that, he gave us the blueprint. And to me, all those qualities not only work in basketball, but they work in life. And so I'm appreciative of that. A great moment. You know, I'm not a crazy big Duke fan, but I was really enjoying and loving the moment of all y'all being together and being there for Coach K and seeing just the errors of all the Duke greats. How was that, getting that type of energy and being all in the room and seeing everybody that you probably ain't seen in years and, you know, something like this has never happened like that. All of them together at one time. Yeah, like yeah. that was a dope moment. It, it was. It, it was a, a magical moment. And, um, you know, I think the the beauty of, 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 of Coach K, I guess, or one of the things that's unusual was just the, the longevity of his career. And to be able to lead, to motivate, to inspire, to teach young men over multiple eras is different. We know just players today in the NBA are very different than our era. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so how do you connect with them? How do you train, you know, how do you get through to them? How do you recruit them? Yeah. And so his ability to adapt and adjust over the years, whether you love him or hate him, you have to respect mm -hmm. that he was able to do that. Mm -hmm. So to see all these people from different eras, from the early 80s up until, you know, late teens or whatever, I mean, yeah. all coming back, it was, it was a powerful moment. I also, it was funny, because afterwards, I went and sat with my wife. I told her, I said, there's no way, there's no way in hell we're gonna win this game. <laughs> and she said, what do you mean? I said, if I'm 18 years old and I just experienced all of that, it's gonna be hard for me now to like yeah, concentrate. Yeah. It's almost like the ring ceremony. Yeah, you know, yeah. when somebody, the team wins the opening yeah, night and they yeah. come out and lay an egg. Yeah. And so, and give give credit to Carolina, they played great, but like, it was just, it was too much. Yeah. And But it was a great moment and, uh, and I'm glad he was able to kind of be celebrated on yes, his way out. That was a dope, yeah. dope, dope moment. And like I say, just seeing the eras and how long I've been watching Duke basketball and, and just to see all the guys from JJ to the Boozers to everybody, that was just dope. That was That's how dope. I knew that the rivalry was real though, when the only thing as a kid that I could draw the conclusion from, I'm taking it back to Sega Genesis, Coach <laughs> K basketball. They did not have UNC on the game because this was UNC. Do you remember that? UNC was not on the game. I don't remember this that. Is, the question is, did Coach K? That's my did, point. Did, he did, make or that did Carolina say they didn't want to be a part of it? Listen, that was my part. But like, it, it was, was the hate so heavy that somebody either didn't make it happen or they didn't want it to happen? Hey, I used to say the love is so fake, but the hate is so real. Like, it, it, it just, you you gotta be a part of it to understand it. But there's a respect. Yeah. Cause we need each other to be good for the rivalry to be good. But we don't want the other to be that good. Out of all the teammates you had over your NBA career, if you had to pick four other players to add on to your, You're going to to your five, who would be them four other players? And we making the So I'm on, I'm on it. You yeah, you on it. You, right, right. you gotta be four other players. All the teammates you played in the NBA with, if you had to pick four of them to, to run it, who would be the four? Okay, T Mac. T Mac. You know, I I gotta put I gotta put Joe Dumars. Joe Joe could play, man. Joe do. Joe could play. He was older when I played with him, but he could play. Um, you T Mac, Joe do. You know you can go small. So it's a I new got, era. I got, I got Chris Paul and I got Steve, Steve Nash. Nash. Point guard. So I got to figure out between those two. Mm -hmm. um, but I'll go with Steve. I didn't really play, okay. so I'll go with Steve. So I got Steve, Joe, me, Matt. I need a big. Mm -hmm. um, 
Amari Stoudemire? Huh. Dwight how? Oh, Dwight or Amari? Oh, du- oh Dwight. Dwight. I forgot you had Dwight. Dwight. Ooh. Yeah, I forgot yeah, about that. So, so Steve Nash, Joe Dumas. Okay, I'm taking Joe. I'm taking Joe off. I'm taking Joe off. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. Sorry, Joe. I'm gonna go Steve Nash, T Mac, Amari, Dwight, and Dwight. And you, and I'm gonna go right gonna there. Do a five I'm gonna do that. That's a crazy. That's a tough. That's five. crazy. With Dumas off the bench. Yeah. <laughs> T-Mag, G, you. ooh, and then Stan and Dwight? Yeah. Yeah, that's I know, a I know the big ball, like the big, you that's know, tough, two guys. Like, like yeah. nowadays, you you would go with Amari. You know what I'm saying? You couldn't yeah. have two bigs. Yeah, nowadays. But, but with them, how they run, how yeah. Dwight and Amari run, you got to You play with Amari. Amari, I played with him after his knee, and he was still. Nah, I played with him when he was big. <laughs> he didn't give a fuck. That's when, like, they, listen. Lee got lucky because he had to remember he had the eye stuff before the knee. That that's what like slowed him down. No, he, he was with was me with his, the, he was with me with the eye. I remember that. But I know that like he had two the eye and the knee thing kind of they Nike was about to have to get him a shoe. The league was about to be in his hand. Oh no question. <laughs> he was about to no have question. the league in his Cause hand. Because after that year you guys had he, he got was hurt. out of there. He got hurt that next year. That's what I'm telling you. That's yeah. that's when he was about to get the shoe and everything. That's when it yeah. slowed down. It yeah. had to. It, he still came back with a vengeance, but it like, you know, it stopped the the whole yeah. ascent. No, no, no. You're right. You're right about that. You had a lot of dunk ons. You know, this this ain't your part of the segment, but you had a lot of dunk ons. You just catch him by. You see? No, he's dunk by himself all the time. But <laughs> you had a lot of dunk ons. Which one is like one of your favorite, like one of your memorable moments that you always remember or they always send it to you on the gram or whatever? But which one of them dunk on that you remember the most? Yeah, I mean, anytime you caught somebody, you know, especially a big guy. Like no, Kimbe? No. Well, I mean, the, the, so. I mean, I always like to, and, and obviously we know Dikembe is going through some health right now, so our prayers are with him. But Dikembe was always fun, and, and he would always point the finger, yeah. and it was kind of a a fun thing back and forth with him, but it was Alonzo. And awesome. um, you know, there there was there was a play <laughs> there was a play that I think really kind of resonated in Detroit. And you know, I, it's interesting because Detroit, you know, Detroit's obviously blue collar, bad boys. And all of a sudden this privileged kid from Duke and all the perceptions that come with that comes to their city. And so it's probably a weird thing for them, for fans in Detroit at the time to digest. But there was a play, I'm on defense, I'm guarding Hardaway, and I go under the screen, and Zoe's trying to roll. Back then, you could roll, mm-hmm. and so somehow we get tangled up, and I I guess he falls over me, and it looks like I body slammed him. And I body slammed him and threw him on the ground. I'm like, I get up, I'm like, oh shit. Like, <laughs> and, like, and I'm looking, and we're in front of the bench, and, you know, and, and I, so I'm thinking, okay, these guys better come out here, like, you know, because, you know, we're in front of our own bench. Yeah. And he gets up, and the thing is, like, I know Zone. Like, I've known Zone since high school. Like, you know what I'm saying? We, we're from Virginia. Like, so he didn't do anything, but it looked like I threw him down. Like, yeah. it looked. And then the very next possession, we go down the other end, and I, I, you know, I go against Marley, I go baseline, <laughs> and Joe comes, and I and I dunk on him. They hugged in it. And um, hugged in the air. <laughs> so that that sequence right there was was a, was a. And the funny thing was, I'm my college roommate T Lang. He's on the bench, so I'm I'm looking at him after I dunk because I taught you know I taught trash. Yeah, that's your guy. That's my guy. So I'm gonna yeah. talk trash to him. But but that was that was probably the one. I mean. I had a few here and there, but that was the one that I think. I know Zoe's still thinking about this. Now, so Zoe, here's, here's the thing. Nothing go. Here's the thing. <laughs> I had Zoe as one of my presenters at the Hall of Fame. Oh, uh, that's dope. And, and part of it was, 
what he went through with his injury, yeah. his mm-hmm. his illness, and yeah. how he fought through that. And when I was going through my stuff, looking for inspiration, he he, he helped was, inspire he me. So, yeah. but yeah, I mean that. You know, everyone's like, oh, man, Zoe must not like. Now, Zoe's my guy. I always like Zoe. But, you know, when you compete, you compete. Yeah, man. Shout you out know. to Zoe, man. That's yeah. the big homie, man. Yeah, that's the big homie. Much love, but I ain't shaking hands with him no more. He shake hands <laughs> too damn hard, man. Ain't yeah, no, don't make no sense to shake nobody's hand that damn hard. <laughs> All right, that's a wrap, man. We was live on location with the Duke legend, the NBA legend, Hall of Famer, NBA Top 75, all of that, all of that, all of that. Live on location, G Hill, man. We appreciate you, big dog. I appreciate y'all. I want to thank y'all for your continued support of the Knuckleheads podcast. Be sure to give us two taps by writing a review and rating five stars wherever you get your podcast. And make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. You can also watch all the episodes on the Players Tribune YouTube page. Follow us on social media at Knuckleheads Podcast. And join our Knuckleheads Facebook group for exclusive content. Thanks again to all of our guests and fans. This wouldn't be possible without y'all. Players Tribune.com